Oh boy. Oh boy. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Bust. Bust? Say boost. You better be streaming sex. Boostagram. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. I'm your huckleberry. Bowl after bowl, coming sick. Bowl after bowl. Bowl, bowl, bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. That's right, bowlafterbowl.com. And you are in the bowl on another Token Tuesday. Yes, welcome, welcome, one and all. Streaming sats, boosting grams. Part of the fam. Welcome, it's another Tuesday. Or as Lorian likes to say. Token Tuesday. There she is. It is October 26, 2021. I'm Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And we're hanging out again. Halloween. Halloween, yes. Coming up on Halloween. Bringing you episode 110 of Bowl After Bowl. Can't believe it, but it's true. I checked the numbers. 110. Number 110. Wowie zowie. The bowls. uh, Wow. I am really high. The bowls keep coming. They don't stop coming. Ooh, yes. Next one is 111. Douchebag Pat is right. Magic number. Angel number. Angel number. Very spooky intro track. I like that. I like that one you picked out there. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Had to go spooky for Halloween. Yeah. Go spooky or go home, right? That's right. I'm going to mute your channel, though, so you don't uh, accidentally play nothing. Weird and wild. Oh, okay, yeah. Sounds good. You know me. Seems like a good move. Weird and wild haunted sounds from my computer. If it's not weird, then it's wild. If it's not wild, then it's weird. That's how the bowl works, man. That's how it goes. Thanks for listening. Whether you're listening on the No Agenda stream or you're listening on the Bowl After Bowl stream, always happy to have you every Tuesday night. Right after DH Unplug gets over, right around 9 o'clock Central Time here in FEMA Region 7. And we always like to start uh, right off the jump by thanking everybody that helps us put this dang thing together. Because Lord knows if it's just you and I, you know, we wouldn't have a show. There would be nothing. It just wouldn't be a thing. There wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be a bowl after bowl without all the bowlers out there. That's true. Helping us out to produce the show. And so we always like to thank them right here at the beginning before we get behind the curtain and everybody forgets what's going on. It's always good practice just to go right up front. So uh, we're going to do that today, and I checked the old PayPal Rooney, and this is wild, because we have, what, like, uh, four official producers, uh, I think other producers as well, that are unnamed or anonymous, but none of them through the PayPal. This is, this is a, kind Whoa. of exciting, because there's a lot of different ways to contribute to the bull. Value for value simply means uh, we put value into the show, we, we do our best to. Uh, make it valuable, make it worth your time, make it fun and a uh, little, you know, joy in your Tuesday evening every week. Uh, one piece informative, one piece entertainment, one piece, you know, a little off the wall, whatever. Get weird. But it's a group participation thing. Uh, the great thing about the bowl is 
anyone can chime in, whether it's uh, sending in clips, as we have uh, from Booberry later, an exclusive report. Ooh, boobs report. Boobs on the ground. Boobs on the ground. At the uh, Hemp Maze, which is a great one. Uh, So that's uh, one of the ways, time, talent, and treasure, that's what we ask in return it's a way you can give value back to us when we put it out there. If you get anything out of this, you know, and you want to play along, and you want to participate, send us a value. Uh, the PayPal is kind of like the easy way out, you know, if you just want to do something short, sweet, and whatever. And that's always available at uh, bullafterbull.com. You can click on the donate button. But we're also plugged into this magical podcasting 2.0 Sat streaming, boostagramming, uh, gamification thing we got going on here. It's crazy, awesome, fun. And people have been sending us boostagrams, and we've actually uh, been learning poorly how to read them. This is great stuff. So I'm going to read some of them right now. Uh, two of them came from Cotton Gin. Yay, Cotton Gin! Uh, who has boosted us in the last week. By the way, uh, all the boosters all together, just shy of uh, 75K on the sat. Uh, ticker so thank you everyone and if you ever send in a boost or you know if we didn't if we missed your boostagram or anything like that you can always email me spencer at bowlafterbowl.com for make goods because uh, right now it's very clumsy the way I'm looking at these things I'm downloading the invoices from ride the lightning I'm opening the excel spreadsheet and I'm literally like copying and pasting the little tlv record uh, string that has all that info in it. I'm pasting that into a base64decoder.org. One at a time. So I just I look wow. at the numbers. I look at the stream of numbers, and then when I see one that's kind of like higher than the rest of them, I know it's like some sort of a boost. And that's how I do it. I'm just looking at one at a time. So it takes me forever. And uh, that, that's what we're working on the upcoming weeks, getting something a little more automated. Uh, but I digress. Uh, Cotton Gin, he boosted us a boostergram of 5,000 sats. Whoop, whoop. And he said, this is the, well, he said, podcast wedding ring of fire fund. <laughs> oh, beautiful. In response to our... Uh... Losing your wedding ring. Yes, that's right. Boostergram. <laughs> By the way, I've got these fantastic new uh, boost uh, ISOs that I finally got put on the board. You better be streaming sats. And a lot of these oh, we, yes. we made with Abel Kirby when we were staying with him. Uh, you can get them on Abel Kirby's GitHub page. GitHub.com slash Abel Kirby slash, damn, what is it called? Like Boost Bucket? Boost Bait? Boost Bait? Could be Boost Bait. Could be Tasty Boost Bait. Mm, that's some tasty Boost Bait. Could uh, be. There was a link in Bull After Bull episode 109. That's right. We're going to put another link in this one, too. And another link here. Uh, always look for the show notes for all the links. You can click on them to your heart's content. They'll even open in a new tab automatically, I'm pretty sure. So that's pretty cool, huh? Uh, yeah, boost bait. I got a lot of boost bait here. Well, this one's going in my boost box. <laughs> uh, Mama plays the uh, boost box. Daddy never sleeps at night. So uh, Cotton Gin also sent us another boostagram. And in that one, he just says, uh, bull after bull Dave Jones.mp3. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I think that's one of Classic. his favorite ISOs. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. Crinkle, crinkle. Uh, I think he crinkles this one. Bowlafterbowl.com. Oh, there it is. Bowlafterbowl.com, crinkle. Thank you, Cotton Gin. And we've got a new listener out there, Goth Elf. Goth Elf. Coming at us from the Breeze app. And uh, he boosted us, 8008. Oh, yeah. Could be she. She could be a Goth Elf. Not sure. He or she. 
Uh, Goth Elf boosted us and uh, said, Boob Boost, new listener, enjoying the show. Thanks for doing it. So thank you, Goth Elf. Thank thanks you, for, yeah. Thanks for listening and participating and boosting along. Um, yes, proud to say we were one of the first... One of the first podcasts in this ecosystem, and we're growing with it all the time. It's not that we're really necessarily that technically savvy. We are just stubborn enough to keep trying and uh, ramming our head against a brick wall, and we want to be in the game at the table, playing around, and um, helping other people who are in the same boat, by the way. Uh, if anybody's intimidated with like how to stream sats, uh, we're figuring it out. We're getting new ways. In fact, when we talk a little bit later in our lightning update, I think I may finally have a way, although I'll need some people to test with me, I think I may finally have a way to just give you a wallet on one of our nodes. Uh, gonna check it out. Gonna play with some stuff. But I think that that's possible. So uh, good news on that front. Good um, news, everyone. Yes, good news, everyone. So that is our that is our set streamed. Uh, I also, though, another way that you can... <laughs> Support the bowl funny uh, enough is you can send us stuff in the mail. Ooh, mail stuff. Uh, find me in a back channel to figure out how to do that. I'm in a lot of back channels, but this arrived in the bowl box. <gasps> oh, my oh God. my goodness. Okay, so this is from Midas. Midas. Before the show, <laughs> he even uh, literally said something about... Uh, don't have high expectations. You gotta be shitting me, man. This is the coolest. Last show, you know, I was talking about hats and having all these different hats. And uh, what did I say? I said, you know, I've never had one of those dorky hats with the propeller on top. Well, what did he send me? Guess what? Now you do. I got one. Oh my god. If I just widen the strap here a little bit, I think I can oh. get it over my phones. Yes. Oh my god. Hold on, let me feel it. <laughs> you missed the propeller, but there you go. Oh, yeah. Woo! It's got some spin. Spin it. Spin after spin. I can't believe, with all of the shortages going on, he was able to procure a genuine dopey boy propeller hat. <laughs> oh, my God. There we go. My life is now complete. Yes. Thank you, Midas. Thank you. That is another way to produce the show. So there we go. Oh, man. The hat hats, collection is... Hats on to you, Midas. Hats on right now. Thank you, sir. Complete. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. That thing has some hang time. I'm watching the shadow. I can't really see it spinning, but uh, I'm watching the shadow. Let's <laughs> keep it on spinning. Okay. I'm like a little boy here. All right. Yes. Yes. I think that... Uh, Needs to be on backwards, and then I just need to be chomping on some like Bazooka Joe bubble gum. Oh, and this perfect! Is, this is this is how it's going right now. Thank you, Midas. Yes, thank you. Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> He's trying to get my expectations down. I was like, I mean, the last time he sent us something, it was a Joe Biden coin. You know, this time he sends it's like literally something I said I've always wanted. Like what? Come on. <laughs> Come on. All right. Yeah, you got to post a picture now. That was fantastic. Yes. Picture in the show notes. Yeah. Picture, in, <laughs> picture in the show notes uh, coming up. The, the clothing optional bowl picture. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, you got a hat on. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. Wearing hat and glasses. Awesome. So much, uh, so much stuff coming in. Thank you, everybody. And uh, if you want to support us for next show, Bull After Bull episode 111 is a big 111 coming up. 
You can go to bullafterbowl.com and click donate, or you can use a new podcast app that is value-enabled. Go to newpodcastapps.com, and all of those apps in there, the ones that say value next to them, those are ones you can stream sats with. And uh, I think most of them also... uh, most of them also have the ability to boost a gram. So if you want to say something silly, uh, boost some sats and say something. We'll try to read it. We'll parse it out. Just don't be a mooch. That's right. That's right. We got to remind you of the first rule of being a smoker. First rule of being a smoker is it's bad manners to keep bumming all the damn time. So that's that's the that's the essence of value for value. You know, if you get uh, value, give value. And you can always very simply just pass the bowl to a friend who might enjoy it, or participate. In our first time I ever weekly topic by calling the voicemail. That's right. It's super simple. The first time I ever this week is the first time I ever had a paranormal experience. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. So if you want to weigh in on that, uh, just pick up your phone and... Call 816-607-3663 and the play of That's right. Uh, just call in. You can also text in if your voice shy. Send pictures. Send pics. All of that good stuff. Uh, it's all in the voice line. If you can do it with a phone to a phone number, the bull can receive it with a with a uh, web uh, page. It's, pre- it's pretty slick. It's like the newest technology, you guys. It's crazy. It's insane in the membrane. And uh, it should be a great topic. But uh, first off, we might as well just do this lightning update. Talk a little yes. bit. Yes. Uh, Lorraine's getting noted. I'm, I'm setting up my umbral node. That's right. She's getting noted up. It was really easy. Other than buying the thing. The thing. Yeah, I would say as far as the difficulty uh, and the price points and all that, the SSD. SSD. The solid state drive that you need to run uh, a node is probably the most expensive part that you're going to buy. And we went and got a pretty good one this time. Uh, Over at the old Micro Center. Micro Center is like my playground. And uh, we got a Samsung SSD. Because the guy was like, you want uh, this one or that one? You want? Is it going to be read-writing often? And yeah, like every time the, every time the blockchain solves another block, it's going to write to the SSD. So you want the one that's like uh, going to be writing a lot. As well as reading. It's going to be doing a lot of reading and writing. So I don't know. He was like, do you want the HQ27CZ545? He was just spitting out letters and yes. numbers into my face. And I looked at him. I was like, okay, I literally don't know what any of that you yeah. just said means. <laughs> Not to mention he had his men in black glasses on with like the most supersonic looking face mask I've ever seen. It was like some Bane shit. He was like, later losers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, um, he was just like spitting serial codes oh at us. God. I was like, I was "What like, are you saying, I was dude?" Like, uh, I'll try to try to make an humble note and stuff, <laughs> man. Uh. He was like, "Oh, so you're mining?" I was like, "No, no, 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 no I'm not mining, man." Um, yeah, that sand disk. Cotton Gin posted a link to a sand disk, one terabyte. I paid a little bit more for mine because they were out of those, mm-hmm. and you can see it says sold out. Sold out. They were sold out in my local store as well. But uh, yeah, if you look at the SSD aisle right now in Micro Center, 
Almost all the one Terry's are just gone. That's the uh, friggin' shortage shit, supply chain bullcrap that we're going through, so. Empty shelves, dusty man. But yeah, Umbral. So, I, as far as the Raspy Blitz versus Umbral, I would say they're both just as easy because the steps are the exact same, right? Uh, both recommend that you get a Raspberry Pi and a one terabyte SSD and plug that bitch in, and then you flash your respective operating system onto a micro SD card, which goes right into the bottom of the Raspberry Pi. When you turn it on, it boots up and installs everything. It just goes. So the Pi had a little bit of extra steps in that the Pi has a couple extra passwords. The Pi has a password that's your master password, uh, which you use to unlock your Raspi Blitz if you're logging in via SSH on another machine on your local network. It also has a blockchain RPC password, which is basically what it will ask you for if uh, you're logging into, say, Thunderhub or RTL or anything like that. Um, that's a different password than your master. And then you also have an LND wallet password, which I don't believe I have used ever. So there's that. And then, of course, both give you your seed password, your seed phrase, your... Right. Your magic words. Uh, in this case, it's twenty-four because L and D gives you twenty-four words because it's just a little bit longer encryption. But the Emerald just has one master password. I had to set. That's right. You... And then once I got in, it was like the WordPress of nodes. I imagine. Yes. Because it's just like, what apps do you want? Here's some suggestions. So uh, it's interesting, and, and Dave Jones posted about this earlier on uh, Podcast Index Social. That Umbral is like 50% of the nodes. About half of the people running a Lightning node are running it on an Umbral node. Oh. So it's the highest adopted one. And I think this is the reason why. They just have the easy, sexy-looking UI. Uh, it also feels a bit like a walled garden, even though yeah, I know it's not. You can still SSH into Umbral, and you can still basically do all the command line goofiness that you can do with a Raspy Blitz. But primarily, it's like just designed to be more user friendly. Uh, it has an app store and apps, for instance, which I don't know. I've always like kind of I try not to be snide about it, but I always listed that as like one of my cons for Umbral, and I hadn't been uh, I hadn't been actually like using it. So I wanted to actually use an Umbral node, and I figured you know, hey, it's way more user friendly. More people are using it, so I know it's more adoptable. This thing, though, I mean, if you're if you're a cold foot shy about running a node like me, <laughs> like you, like maybe some other podcasters out there who are just kind of, I don't know, this Raspy Blitz thing. I've looked at it. So the Raspy Blitz thing, it's just it's not sexy in that sort of post Twitter to post 2010 type uh, where everything's like this JavaScript interface where everything is like rounded corners and. Uh, buttons and sliders it has that sexy ui right it has that design for now modern slick ui uh some people just fucking hate that and some people will only be able to use that and they won't be able to use anything else umbrals honestly as far as ease of use now um i want to obviously it's still syncing so to sync the whole blockchain from the genesis block it takes like three days using a, rasp, a Raspberry Pi. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not even a 33% yet. Yeah, we're at, I set this up last night. 26.39% as of right now, 26.4%. And that is validating blocks from five years ago still. So it's on block 433391 as we speak and, and counting. So it's still syncing as we speak. But once I get that all synced up, I really want to play with some stuff. I want to see how Sphinx works from that. I want to see how Balance of Satoshi's uh, works with that. Also, once we get this umbral synced up, either this week or next week, we're going to be doing another uh, Ring of Fire, and we already have four participants. She might be adding two more. So, like, that's going to be kind of first come, first serve, uh, because I'm pretty sure C-Dub's already um, expressed interest in the next time we do it. All right, C-Dub's. I'll have to check my email. It all runs together. Somebody else was definitely in. So, um, but, yes, we wanted to, we know, one other six Man, Ring of Fire, uh, and uh, Cotton Gin maybe can get a note up by that time. Yes, and get in. Do it. We want you in the Rings of Fire. So uh, it's going to be another five five hundred thousand uh, Bitcoin's going up all the time, which is crazy. But uh, we want to we want to keep on those nice beefy channels. Uh, oh yes, Brian of London. That's right, Booberry. Thank you. Brian of London was the other guy wanted in on the on the ring of fire so if cotton gin gets his node then i got a spot for one more in the ring uh and then we'll do another ring we'll keep doing rings so don't feel like all left yeah. out of fomo if you, if you don't get in this ring we're constantly doing rings and another thing is my voltage node so i talked about it a little bit last week my voltage node's been awesome that was the first thing that we got up and running on that was the first node i ran they have an amazing service where you can pay monthly, or you, I bought a whole year right up front because I knew I was in it for the long haul. And I said, here, uh, just pay for a node for a year, and then we'll play with it. We'll learn it. And the first thing we did was make a Sphinx tribe and uh, got our Sphinx tribe rocking. They really got the Sphinx tribe rocking. Rocking. So I made it associated with that uh, voltage node. The annual subscription that I bought when I first started all this crap runs out at the end of December. And by then, I want to still run two nodes, but I just want them to be these two over here, the Raspberry, the Raspy Blitz and the Umbral node, side by side. And one is mine and one is yours. And so we kind of have that node identity. And again, I'll reiterate, I always recommend this. If you're a podcaster, run your own node as your own entity, and that'll be like you on this, on this streaming sats network. And, you know, when you get into the Sphinx stuff too, your node kind of is like, represents you as an entity it's the easiest way to do it and maintain total sovereignty over your coin and all of that stuff uh, you can get it key sent directly to you you don't have to pay anybody else you don't have to trust anybody else you don't have to rely on any other service at all even if the podcast index somehow folds they quit they get burnt out they burn to the ground anything like that it all of this stuff will still work because it's still up and running and you don't rely on anybody but your own little node. That's what's so beautiful about it. Um, I know I had something else here. Oh, the uh, Raspberry Pi is now boss ranked, I saw, in Terminal Web. I boss looked it up. ranked? So you get a boss score depending on like how connected and liquid you are, I guess. And uh, I've been trying to get a rank on there for like so long. Just <laughs> opening channels and getting connected and... Keeping them balanced, keeping it on, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's like uh, 2,700 or some, something like that. Wow. I'm in the top 3,000. I'm top 3,000 boss now. Woo. Ba-boom. 
And a lot of that is thanks to um, the dudes in Sphinx, specifically uh, Stim. I always call him Stim. Uh, his username's like Stimmar42 or something like that. I always call him Stim. He ha- he runs the Sphinx tribe called Lightning Liquidity Lounge, and one of his biggest his biggest node is also called that Lightning Liquidity Lounge. And he's the one that taught me about Rings of Fire. He taught me how to use Igniter, the script that starts him up. And um, it's really probably mostly thanks to him. I have two good peers, what they call good peers. So you have to be ridiculously well-connected to be considered a good peer. And he's one of them. He's one of my two good ones. So Stimmy. Stimmy. Thank you, man. And uh, I just hope to spread that along. Now, like I said before... I think that there's a way that we can hook up a custodial way to basically spin up wallets for people who are not interested in doing anything else other than having a wallet and putting sats into a wallet and then maybe using that wallet to take them out and put them somewhere else or whatever you want to do with it. If that's you and you really don't want to have a node, you just don't see it, you don't get it, you don't want it, you hate it, you're not going to do it, I'm going to try via Ellen Bits to make that happen for people on a value for value basis. Just meaning like if it works on this node, then you can just use my node ID over here, plug it in to your value tag, have sats and boosts go to that. And then I'll just put it in your wallet for you. And then you can figure out whatever you want. Ideally, the coolest way to do that was would be like you pick a split to give me into the value block and then you don't have to worry about it. Like, That'll just get automatically split out to another node. But I'll figure out something. But that's in the works. I can't even test it until the whole blockchain sinks anyway. So, What do you think? That'll be two days from now? I think a couple days. So we started last night, what, around 1130? Yeah. Something like that. Uncle Spencer node. Yes, that's exactly right. We started last night at like 1130, and it's like 26.5%. So I think tonight by around the same time, 1130, it'll be like 33.3%, you know? Ding, ding. And it's about three days, typically. I mean, it took it took three days for the Raspy Blitz to sync, so it's the same equipment with the same amount of RAM and all that. So it'll be slightly longer, obviously, because there's more blocks than there were the first time I did it. What was that, like, I don't know, seven months, eight months ago or something say, like that? I close to a year. Something like that, so... There are a bit more blocks now, so it's just going to take a little bit longer. But yes, yes, another exciting development. Now, I'm really stoked for when the live stream starts, the live boosts and the live boostograms. Yeah, That's going to be tight because then we can take live boosts and live boostograms and we can in- integrate them into like a little IRC bot that's, I don't know, maybe passing out virtual joints and blunts and shit. All that, th- all that kind of thing. I really want to have like a leaderboard style thing for each episode. Oh, yeah. All that kind of stuff becomes possible once the live thing starts up. So I'm just, um, I'm super, super jitty about that rolling out. And you can bet we are going to be among the first to the door when they, when they finally open that. So we're excited about that. And we'll keep you posted. Keep you Bot posted. bongs. Huh? I said bot bongs. Bot bongs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to just decipher what you said, and then I just had to say, huh? 
Huh? Huh? What? Grandma I mean, you're wearing that propeller hat, so that's huh? exactly Part of the... it, dude. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love this. Oh, I do too. I'm so excited. We had some great, uh, great podcasts over the weekend come in, including uh, Wow Podcasting 2.0. It had, I think, what I consider to be the greatest boost clip so far from Adam Curry. <laughs> boost me, bitch. So boost that. Boost me, bitch. Boost me, bitch. That was fucking awesome. Boost it. Um, Corcass was on Behind the Schemes last night. Yes, episode 69. Which was uh, sloppy wet. I just had to crack a beer for that. Cheers. Uh, we, we did the 69 challenge and sent it in. So we kind of threw down the gauntlet. If you want to know what that's all about, you have to go to loveislit.com and listen to Behind the Schemes, because I don't think we can really repeat it here. No, the the uh, mic is, setup was uh, complicated. When I sent it in, I didn't realize that Mama Berry was like in the chat and stuff. And then oh I was my gosh, like, boobs. Mama Berry had just typed something. I was like... Uh, when we emailed it. We were just acting. Uh, we, yeah, yeah. We were, that's it. We were acting. <laughs> it's acting. It's acting. It's foley art. We were acting. Foley sounds... Yes. No. Um, yeah. That was fun, though. Acted that out. And, of course, that was right after the Hogaroos Hog Story. And uh, got my voicemail, like, the first voicemail played. Because I had left a voicemail at, like, the very end of Thursday, and I couldn't get to it. Oh. I'm a little serenade. So it's been all kinds of uh, value thrown around. Podcasters helping podcasters. All that good stuff. I also have been listening to Sir Bimro's new show. Yes. Yes. Car ride listening. Yeah, car ride listening. On the way back from Mass. And it's like the old Bim rants. The old Bim rants that you know and love. Uh, Angry Tech News. And uh, it's adding to my rotation, man. It's in my rotation now. So I I love that there are shows like that. uh, ah, Short car ride. Exactly. There are shows (laughs) that are like manageable to add in there, you know. Um, It's kind of the similar length, uh, even maybe a little shorter than... uh, God, now, now I'm behind the curtain, and I'm like, I'm not even behind the curtain No, yet. I know. Um, it's a good bite-sized chunk. And there's a new one out today, I think. That's right. So check it out. And thanks, Sir Bemrose, for putting us on the NA stream. Jesus, I feel stupid now. It's, you want to hear uh, some... I feel uh, stupid now. Um, it's the weed. It's not the weed. I, it's the crypto talk. I blame the lightning. Yeah, that's it. It's the uh, <laughs> on-chain, off-chain cocaine shit stain that's in my brain. That's right. Um, and that's another thing on my to-do list is to make the jingle for that. God damn it. Larry is who I was talking about, that Larry show. Ah, uh, yes. That Larry show is another one that's like half an hour kind of-ish and uh, kind of the short drive, you know? I think that's what Abel Kirby really, really wants out of Abel Craft, but I keep making him like Abel Kirby. He's like, we have to do half hour or less. And I'm like, we have to do like 44 minutes or more. <laughs> and so we have this tug of war with it every time. The last day Abel Craft was a but bit it's, longer. It's always been under an hour in my defense. It's always been under an hour, which is still cool, still nice. So. Still cool, still nice. Still cool, still nice. He wants it to be shorter, so. Oh. I like, uh, I'll, maybe I'll shut up this Friday. Yeah, 30 minutes is a great bite-sized podcast. I like that. 30 to 60. That's a, there's yeah. like a sweet spot there where you can, more people can add. More people can add. 
But yeah, last episode ended up going longer, but it was kind of like dense with stuff. We just had a lot of stuff that went down. So, and uh, people dense. liked it. And then we got into this conversation of like, I don't know, we had kind of a little bit of differing philosophies. And I think I maybe came off as a little bit of a prick because I just don't care about people who, uh, I don't know. I have this philosophy of like, it's not that I don't care about people. That's not even it. That's not even it. It's like, I want them to catch up here. And I don't buy into this idea of like, people are too stupid to do this or people are too lazy to do that. I think that how you treat the collective is how you can steer the collective, right? And in my brain, like constantly saying that people are too dumb, blah, 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 or people are too lazy, blah, 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 reinforces that you know, you make it true by pandering to that idea. And I would like people to be less lazy and less stupid. And that's why I kind of try, try to forge ahead, even though I don't know exactly what the fuck I'm doing half the time. Uh, yeah, I, I think grandma, you know, grandma, you know, she should worry about setting her VCR clock and not about, you know, if she can boost me or not. Like, my grandma does not boost me sats because she sends me, like, a card in the mail with 10 bucks in it cash or something, you know? Yeah, happy birthday. And that's fine. That's where, you know, that's where it's at. You've always had that mentality, though, of, oh, I'll see you when you catch up. Yeah, you know, and it's not, like, I'm not trying to be hateful about all of that. I I know it sounds crass, and it's like, I don't know. I don't want to come off as elitist because it really doesn't come from a place of that. But at the same time, like, I just want everybody to do better. That's all. That's all. That's all. Is that too much to ask? I don't know. I don't I be- think so. I believe that you can do it because I'm I'm just an idiot myself. Like whatever you heard is silly, and I'm really just an idiot. But I m- figured some some of it out as an idiot. So, yeah, you know. So uh, another average person can also figure it out. I know you can. I be know better, you can. Michelle Obama. <laughs> Inspirational. Look Inspirational. at me. I've got a number one node now. After seven months of uh, saying, oh, man, I should probably listen yeah. to what my husband keeps saying on our podcast <laughs> and get a note. <laughs> I mean, if I can convert. I caught, I, I'm catching up. I haven't caught up. It's, but. you know, it's a long-term thing, too. And that's what I'm, like, that's what I keep saying to podcasters. Like, I'm not saying get a note and launch it tomorrow. I'm saying long-term, if you plan to keep doing this for a while, then also plan to get a node in your future like you know a year from now you should have a node a year from now you should definitely have one going because it's not hard it's not hard it's not and hard. and i i swear like it will pay for itself it'll pay for itself in two ways because you're getting an appreciating asset stream to you hello and the, the community is so super supportive of uh, everybody jumping on so you know it's out there it's out there it's out there Sir Bamrose, get a node. I see a node in your future. I get noted. <laughs> noted up, baby. Come on in. The Bitcoin is fine. It's true. But you know what's not so fine? What? My 33 stories oh, this no. week. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Well, how about this? A 33-year-old Rhode Island man died in a cement truck incident. Oh, my goodness. He is a father-to-be and was getting married this Halloween weekend. Oh, my God. That's yeah. pretty sad. But he was at work, and he was working on a cement truck. Not exactly sure what he was working on on it. But he ended up getting caught in the hopper. 
and died. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was a bummer. A real bummer. That's no good. No good at all. And uh, also no good, this story that Dr. Sir Mike Roch sent me about another 33-year-old man killed on the job. Uh This time in Atlanta. A father of nine who was working on a construction site when the bridge collapsed. Now... They're coming after dads! 33-year-old dads. I know. Crazy. Two two years away from getting the smack. War on dads. OSHA is investigating this bridge collapse, and, of course, you know, no one wants answers more than his children, who are aged 3 to 15. So, the man got started young. No doubt. Start early, never stop. And my third 33 story tonight comes from Sir Omaha. And it is that the second of two men go to federal prison for 33 pounds of meth found in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's a hell of a lot of meth, dude. 33 pounds of meth. But really, uh, law enforcement found 36 pounds just divided between five houses that they raided at 2 a.m. last October. Does it make you sick that they choose like the middle of the night when people should be sleeping? I mean, mm. if you're peddling meth, maybe you're not asleep at 2 a.m. Uh, <laughs> or if you're in the bowl, you might not be asleep at 2 a.m. Yeah. But yeah, 33 pounds of meth, $38,000 in cash found in one house. And then the next house that they hit all at the same time had three pounds of meth and hundreds of wire slips to Mexico with extensive drug ledgers several cell phones, and uh, a large undisclosed amount of cash. So we're talking more than $38,000 of cash going to the law enforcement there. Yeah, I like money, though. But both of these men have immigration holds and are expected to be deported after serving their 11-year sentences. Oh, geez. Yeah. Interesting uh, way to go about there, don't you think? Yeah. Let's house them for 11 years. Gotta house them. Gotta house him. Ugh. Oh my god. By the way, thank you, Douche Bar, for sending me an absolute buttload of tombstone clips. Oh, tombstone clips. I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know he had that one. You know it. At least he's not your Dingleberry. <laughs> your dad was like, Pops this weekend says, uh, someone, one of his coworkers sent him a picture of joe biden in a cowboy hat and it says i'm your dinkleberry or something <laughs> and i was like it's got to be i'm your dingleberry so that i had to look it up and share it with the world on nos mm. i was like i'm your huckleberry yeah dusty man dingleberry huckle dink i have a bonus 33 story because bonus i was excited bone. when i saw the headline and totally disappointed when i went to read it oh shit but the British government recorded 33 mysterious UFOs in Maryside. Oh, that you open is a the cool, article. Uh, that is a cool headline. You open the article, you find out that those 33 mysterious UFOs happened between 1997 and 2009. Not even recent. Old news. Wow. Scraping the bottom of the barrel, huh? Yeah. And there are a lot that sounded like, um, you know. Maybe nothing burgers, but the one I liked the most was hovering bright lights in a half circle formation. It's like, ooh, that's kind of spoopy. One guy called in several times about a bright light over his house. Ooh. I was like, mm, if it's true, that's very freaky, but maybe he's a little schizo also. 
Who knows? This whole um, thing is very, very spooky. Spooky on Halloween. No doubt. Good news is the 33 magic number has not been popping up so much in the Koof stories. Nice. There were, of course, 33 new cases in Champaign County, Illinois, Knox County, Maine, and Humboldt County, California, where they're not smoking enough CBD, obviously. I guess not. Remember that study from last week? Yeah, the can I don't know. Canana Banna Bofan, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, oh. there were 33 deaths called Coof deaths in Jackson County, Mississippi. Uh, and I saw that the United States is going to defer 33 million vaccine doses to Africa. I say vaccine in quotations, of course. Jabs. Send them the jabs. We send the Coof dose down to Africa. We do. And in Springfield, Alabama, uh, a man battled the coof for 33 days on a ventilator and survived to tell the tale. But wow. he is obese with type 2 diabetes. Uh, he says that he stayed away from people to avoid wearing a mask, but now regrets doing that because, oh, oh you know, if he had just worn a mask, if he just covered his face with some thin paper something mint leaves anything he would have been safer uh but coincidentally he got his first moderna shot a week before he got sick well i'll be goddamn and yet he tells the reporter that he wishes he had been fully shot up oh yeah so like he wishes another week had passed oh you see and no a month to get the second dose and plus the booster right isn't that part of the full you're fully done now if you get that booster. Oh, yeah, that's right. Boosts. Boosts on boost. Yeah, I don't care about those kinds of boosts. Boosters. Boost me once. Shame on. Shame on. Boost. Can't get boost again. That's right. <laughs> and as we make our way behind the curtain, because I am more than ready to be there. Oh, yeah. I saw a story about a teenager in Louisiana who got... The jab without parental consent at school. Of course. They had a pop-up clinic outside of the school. It doesn't surprise me, but it does disgust me. These are kids. Yeah, you know? they're preying on the kids, man. FDA's rolling them out for fucking five-year-olds, man. Yeah. Five-year-olds, dude. Ugh, puke. This is a high schooler, but it doesn't make it any different or better. What's a pederast, Donnie? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Oh, man. Oh, uh, do you remember that last week I talked about a taxpayer-funded uh, medical marijuana ad that Christy Noem released in South Dakota? Yeah, I do. I do recall. Everyone was mad about it. I found it. I found it so I can play it. Um, oh, yes. You know, here. Let's just here, hear it. $500,000 to produce this. Hi, I'm Governor Christy Noem. In 2020, the voters of South Dakota spoke up and approved medical cannabis. One of my jobs as governor is to make sure that the will of the people and all constitutional laws are enforced. Except you didn't. The medical cannabis program is on schedule, and we're working to implement a responsible program that follows the direction given by the voters. Throughout the mm. rules and the public input process, the departments of education and health have been careful in their approach. Other states have made mistakes that we do not want to repeat. I want South Dakota to have the best, 
the most patient-focused medical cannabis program in the country. I've heard from people who are hurting and are hopeful for relief. I can assure them that we are working hard to streamline the process to get medical cards out to people. And my team is 100% committed to starting this program as quickly and as responsibly as possible for South Dakota. Yeah, I don't know. It's It was good audio, good clear audio. Yeah. And the video is her staring at the cue card. Right, like it looks like she's reading, and uh, that's it. That's what, it. That's half your a million bucks, taxpayer. Dude? At least half a million. I how was... many? F- how many interns filled coffee pots up f- just for that little piece of audio? Good God! Too many. Good God in heaven! But I wanted to do my due gi- diligence and yes. bring it to the bowl. No, oh, yeah. So, uh, so we that. know what we were talking about there. You know who else did their due diligence? Our friend Boobs. Oh yeah, boobs. Blueberry behind the schemes. Going to the hemp maze. He's got us a boobs on the ground report uh, for the hemp maze over there uh, in his area. And I've got to find here's here's the one. We have boobs report in hand. Yeah, I got a real boobs, boobs in report. Hand. You're not gonna believe. Greetings, it. greetings. We're here on the ground. It's boobs on the ground. This is Booberry, and I'm down at the Hemp Maze, Minnesota, here with Ted, and we're gonna ask him a couple of questions today. How did you find yourself here? Yeah, so we bought this farm in 2015 with the sole purpose of running Fright at the Farm, which is our haunted attraction, and we've been doing that for 11 years now. Relocated up here in 2015. We had a pumpkin patch, we had a corn maze, and after a few years of growing corn, I wanted to do something different. And I knew about industrial hemp. I found out about, out about the Minnesota Department of Ag's industrial hemp program. It was a pilot project, and so we ended up growing it for the first year in 2018 with the educational purposes of just teaching people about industrial hemp. So we had our hemp maze, and then we still had pumpkin patch. Then we, two years ago, just completely got rid of the pumpkin patch. We went full into industrial hemp with a fiber crop. So we have a fiber crop from China now, and that is our hemp maze. So it grows about 14, 15 feet high. And then our other field we use for medicinal purposes, growing high CBD, high CBG, high CBDV, and any other cannabinoid that might pop up that we want to grow. Very cool. Uh, What would be your favorite use of industrial hemp? Yeah, so I mean, industrial hemp, it's the only plant that can feed you, it can shelter you, it can clothe you, and it can heal you. Um, I really like growing the fiber crop just because I like to see the immense plants and how quickly they grow. But obviously the medicinal side of it, that's probably what gets me the most. Once you go down that rabbit hole of researching cannabinoids and researching the cannabis plant, you never come out. And I look at it now more, more than just medicine. I think it's actually nutritional and that probably 99.9% of the population is deficient in cannabinoids. And I have a second part to that question. Uh, What would you consider the most important game changer when it comes to industrial hemp? What could uh, procure the the biggest change for the benefit of uh, the vast majority of... Well, I think in the United States, with it just being, you know, legalized with the 2018 Farm Bill, what we really need is we kind of, okay, so we go ahead and we approve it for farmers to grow so they can grow cannabis now once again. It has to be under 0.3% THC, but again, we can grow cannabis as an industrial plant. But the problem is we don't have the industries to turn those into products. So right now you grow a fiber crop, there's nowhere to bring it to get decorticated and then get milled into an actual product. So I think as that develops, then you're gonna see a boom. And I hope that happens because you look at industrial hemp, 
how it carbon captures and how it um, can really help us. And we all know that the prohibition against cannabis was really politically driven. When you look at the cotton industry, the timber industry, the petroleum industry, any of that, this plant directly competed with those industries. Yeah, I was going to pull too much money away from them. <laughs> uh, so I got a, a fun question here for you. You're walking down the street and you find a lamp. You pick the lamp up and you rub it and it's the weed genie. The weed genie says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to just eliminate one public misconception about uh, cannabis plants. What would that misconception be? Well, it would obviously be the fear of it. I know I grew up in the era of Nancy Reagan and... <laughs> drugs were bad we we ran a whole drug war and it was a war not necessarily worried about the people that were addicted but more about the people selling the drugs and I, I think it would just be especially with cannabis removing that fear um, so many people say oh it's a gateway drug and and no when you look at it and you look at most people that are in the culture <laughs> they're in the culture they don't really go outside that culture and they probably don't even smoke cigarettes and they probably don't even drink alcohol so you're looking at it like huh that doesn't make sense so i guess it would just be re you know looking at that stigma that fear and and removing that fear is a powerful tool no doubt and uh i would i would consider cigarettes to be way more of a of an offender i'm a smoker myself but uh it's much more of an offender as you know when it comes to gateway drugs and my last question here is what do you hope fo uh, folks walk away with when they leave here yeah, so the whole reason that we started Hemp Maze Minnesota was to educate and inform the public. And we are here doing that. That's what we do. Um, yeah, we've got products in our store and we have a haunted attraction and we are agritourism because you do pay to go in the maze. But really it's about getting the family out here, friends, and even family that are like, oh, no, no, it's cannabis. I can't do that because they need to realize, OK, this plant, we need to commune with it. It needs to be part of our lives. And really, that's what we're about. We're about in educating, informing people and making people feel comfortable around cannabis. I love it. That's uh, I think that's a great mission statement. And uh, I greatly appreciate your time. And uh, you can go to hempmazemn.com, correct? Correct. Yes, that's our website. And we are open seven days a week. We are open off season as well. The Hemp Maze will be closing and wrapping up on October 30th, but we will be back in July of next year. So check us out online at hempmazemn.com. Yeah. Very cool. That was a high quality report, Boo. See, who says journalism is dead? It's alive and well. That's right. That's right. Booberry asking the real questions out there, getting the real answers. Hey, smoke weed every day. That's right. So I don't Very know. Cool. I was trying to post some of the pictures he sent me in the bowl. Uh, some of them say like the picture's locked or the file is locked. I don't know. What, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just a regular idiot. So I'm going to post more of them in the uh, show notes. Yeah, they're just in the show select, notes. Check uh, them out. Select winner, winner, chicken dinners. Boobs in there looking like a boss. Boss he's got boobs, the, uh, baby. He's got the girth proof with a little uh, white power sign wrapped around the stalk of oh, a hemp plant. Beautiful. Yeah, the one that used to used to mean okay, now it means uh, you're like a Nazi or whatever. Nah, whatever. Whatever, whatever. I do yeah. what I want. Some tall-ass hemp plants, though, dude. The stalks, the the like stalk ones, get up to 14 feet. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. When they're up there, they're like, wow, 
I am really high. Really high. It's crazy. Yeah, that looks like a fun-ass maze, man. Pretty cool. Thank you, Booberry, for that uh, excellent report. Yes, thanks, boobs. And uh, for, you know, getting boobs on the ground real journalism. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a thing that's uh, we're seeing less and less of in the modern era. So, But here we that. are, saving the world with podcasts. I also, I guess, uh, want a special shout-out to this dude with uh, um, the Moon Buzz booth that we saw this weekend. Ah, uh, yes, at the Fall Festival in Lawson, Missouri. I'm always interested in this 50-state uh, legal type product, you know? <laughs> and... Uh, a while back, I had them naturals or whatever. They're like, oh, yeah, here. They're the uh, CBD. Oh, legals. <laughs> legals, because they're 50 state. Uh, 50 legal, state legal, of course. Um, Farm bill. As long as you're not under 18. 18? Isn't it 21? It says 18 on this file. Whoa. Yeah. That's right. But anyway, uh, Delta 10, I was checking it out. I was like, he had Delta 10, he had Delta 8, he had gummies, he had this and that. Um, Anthony is the guy's name. And he was like, um, I don't know, the, there was a couple talking to him and buying stuff when I first walked up to his booth. And so it was this uh, older lady and her husband. Well, she has like these stomach problems, I guess, these chronic stomach problems. And uh, he just gave her like a couple gummies as he was like talking about what it is and what it's all about and stuff. He's like, here, just try a couple gummies. Well, I guess they left. They got in their car and they left the Fall Fest. And they were like halfway to Excelsior Springs. And she said like, her stomach just started like feeling better immediately and it hadn't for like months and months. Like she hadn't had a good day in like ages. Wow. And so they turned the car around and went back to this dude's booth and bought some gummies. So it's like, shit, I want to try some out. Um, I've always said this about CBD products specifically, but I think it can also probably be applied to the Delta 10 stuff, which really isn't necessarily a lot different. Um, other than it definitely has some stony effects. But uh, that whole medicinal thing, like with CBD products, for me, I like the act of smoking. And if you have a good pre-roll, like a CBD blunt that you can just get in any gas station, like everything except for getting bombed out of your mind, all the other parts of the experience are there. Like it tastes like really good bud because it is really good bud. It just doesn't have a lot of Delta 9 THC in it. It has 0.3% or less. So I always liked them for that. And... You know, I've I've heard from a lot of different smokers who are like, oh, I wish you could just, you know, smoke and not get so incredibly blazed. Well, I think that Delta 10 is kind of that sweet little middle ground for like, if you still have something to do and accomplish, but uh, it's a day and you want to smoke weed every day, you can just go for that. That's right. Still accomplish all your tasks. My review, my uh, teeth. I was grinding my teeth a little bit less after I consumed some Delta 10. I would describe it as very lightly euphoric. Uh, and that's pretty much it. It's like that familiar stony feeling, only just if you had a volume knob on it and just turned it down. Yeah, to like to two background or three. noise. To like the level where anything happening around you is louder than you being stoned. Whereas like if you get a crazy indica of some like 20, 22% THC, you know. Your stony is always louder than everything else going on. And so you have to like pay attention or extra listen. And uh, extra not so, listen. Not so with the D8 and D10. So it's interesting. And um, 
I am interested to hear if anybody has an experience with D8 or D10 who is a patient specifically. Because I always hear uh, a lot of good stuff about CBD from people who do have like arthritis or other chronic problems. Uh, and for me, CBD doesn't really have a huge effect on me, but I'm also not dealing with some kind of a chronic medical condition either, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't have to, anything to really test it against. So it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, I don't smoke or I can't smoke. Or sometimes people reach out to me and they're like, Spencer, I'm like, I've never really smoked. I never liked it. It makes me annoyed, but I keep getting referred medical cannabis. What should I do? I say, try a CBD product. Try a D10 or a D8. Now, this guy said that D10 gets you, like, a lot more stoned than D8. Um, And I guess, I don't know. I've got a certain bar that I call stone, but there's nothing that says, like, too much (laughs) from D10, you know. So, um, Odd Standing in the Bull says D8 gives me a headache if I have too much. This, Mm. I didn't get any negative effects from it at all. Mm -mm. We had an Indica first. This is a Sativa currently. Um Smoking this the pre-rolls uh, with keef on the outside. Yeah, it's nice, dusted with keef. I mean, it's all, like, good, well-grown bud. You know, it's just been, uh, it's just had all of the Delta 9 bred out of it. Uh, this strain is private reserve. I decided to get one sativa, because I know you're the indica. I'm the indicunt. You're the indicunt. Uh, Don't get it twisted. <laughs> <laughs> but I like a good sativa every once in a while to mix things up, and I figured, you know. Elevated, you know, you know, energetic. Ah, weed is weed to me. (laughs) It smells like weed. It smokes like weed. You know, I'm just not so high that I can't get through my behind the curtain reports. Right. Well, I'll let you get to it. Okay. Well, anyway, I heard this terrible story this week. Oh no! About a van from Imperial Logistics, uh, which is a platform that transports currency for people, like can of businesses who can't put their cash in a bank. Anyway, this van was on I-70 driving through Kansas when they got pulled over. And they had more than $165,000 in cash on them. And it was seized by Kansas Highway Patrol. And now, and it all came from Kansas City, mostly from Kansas City dispensaries, as I understand. Oh, no. Now they have to go to court to decide if Kansas can seize cash coming from dispensaries out of state. There's going to be a Missouri fight on your hands, Kansas, if you're messing with our messing with our livelihoods over here. Come on. Yeah. It's don't too you bad. Drive, don't you just snag them on a drive-thru? It's just money. Like It's all legit money. <laughs> yes, exactly. Legit under our state and whatnot, but, but this is why federally we, this not. This is why we constantly have to remind people that like even where it's legal... It's not legal in certain instances, and it's not legal anytime the Fed gets a wild hair up their ass. It's also not legal. So, yeah, always have to be on the lookout for this kind of thing. Always. And in Texas, the Department of State Health Services decided a few weeks ago that Delta 8 THC over 0.3% is illegal. Oh, no. And that went to court. A judge denied the initial request to block the ban, but it's getting another hearing next month. So stay tuned. I, I have a clip that goes along with this. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm Governor Christy Nome. Not that one. I feel like I've heard this one before. I think so too, but that's not the clip I was looking for. Deja vu. Very spooky. 
The state health department's clarification that Delta 8 is illegal caught CBD shop owners and users by surprise. And there's a lot of questions about if the state went about doing this legally. Delta 8 is a cannabinoid that is sold in... Bitch, you know I got that ISO. <laughs> Delta 8 is a cannabinoid. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I just want to hear it. I just want to hear the ISO. All right, now the details. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I'm just... You hit shuffle on your clip list or something. I did. I did. Cannaboid. Cannaboid. <laughs> yeah. Cannaboid. Yeah, cannaboid. Anyway, it's a tough word. <laughs> Whatever. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were going to pause the clip. I would have had you. Hot. You would have had me, but that's okay. I would have had you. Many hot. forms like edibles, tinctures, and vape pens. It took off after the 2018 farm bill legalized hemp production. Up until last week, it wasn't clear if Delta 8 was a controlled substance in Texas. Hemp lawyer Lisa Pittman said she expects Delta 8 to stay illegal under the state rules for a while. But the founder of CBD American Shaman says they're thinking about filing a lawsuit. Oh, it's, it's suspect to say the least that it, it for them to suddenly pop up with this ruling in spite of being not going through the legislator is just feels kind of not right. Yeah, it's According to DSHS, if you're caught with Delta 8, you could face a felony offense. But many Texas police and prosecutors say they don't pursue low-level marijuana crimes mm -hmm. due to new state hemp rules put into place in 2019. Now, the guidance from the state health department's a little confusing for another reason. DSHS doesn't have any regulatory authority over controlled substances. That decision is ultimately left up to law enforcement. Isn't that a load of crap? Yeah, definitely, to man. To put it nicely. That's definitely a load of crap. Yeah. Man, that guy that made uh, American Shaman. I was going to say. He's all over the place, man. CBD American Shaman was the first uh, CBD booth I ever saw at a fall festival. And then the first shop I oh, saw yeah. pop up. He's incredibly successful. In fact, today I was at the Price Chopper uh, grabbing bread on my way home. can't remember which one. Somewhere in the Northland. And uh, they got a CBD American Shaman shop. And all of the signs in the parking lot, they were everywhere, and they said Delta 10 on them. Mm. It's in the price chopper, like another what? little, like... Like how sometimes there's a coffee shop or a bar. Or a bank, or... Yeah, exactly. It's one of those. And he's wow. got his CBD American Shaman all in lights right there, like, just like a his logoed <laughs> sign up there in, like, lit up. It's a permanent installation, man. It's no bullshit, dude. That's wild. It is super wild. It's uh, it's uh, the 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 green economy has definitely been poom. Yeah, no. it really has. Yeah, it's everywhere. And yeah, j for these shop owners that have been selling it down in Texas, and all of a sudden you're just like, nope, you can't. Yeah, fuck well, that. It it's bullshit, and hopefully the courts will step in and curtail this uh, all of this enforcement uh, ramp up. But really, this again harkens back to the need to just repeal all these terrible laws like all just repeal the ban repeal the prohibition of all of this that's right and then you can go after things that are crimes people hurting other people people damaging or stealing property uh you know crimes with victims that's what should be that's what cops should be roaming around enforcing that's what they're trained to do that's what they're good at uh if they're properly trained like that you know so one thing that they can figure out is the you know and, and it's like what makes you want to be a cop when you're a little kid. 
running in yeah. like saving people. You know, saving people who are in imminent physical danger. That's right. That's why anybody Fighting who becomes guys. a cop becomes a cop. Exactly. Then they get all skewed on who the bad guys are. To run are. around looking in your purse for what you got on you and all this bullshit, <sighs> man. Seriously. Like, it should not matter, you know. It shouldn't matter. People are minding their own business, not hurting anyone. Then just leave them alone. That's all. There's a story that kind of goes along with that. Uh, people minding their own business, getting bothered. By law enforcement. And that's from Montana, where the Supreme Court overturned a man's conviction for transporting weed after uh, the court found the arresting officers violated his constitutional right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure, which is very cool. Uh, I guess he got caught in 2019 with 19 pounds in his trunk and was sentenced to 15 years. In prison. Jeez. Um, and what happened was he was at a gas station. I don't know if he was gassing up his car or what, but a highway patrol van pulled in and opened their door, and it was stock full of weed. Oh, no. They had 960 pounds in that van being taken to evidence storage somewhere, you know? And this guy was just kind of staring at him, staring at the weed in the van, and they started bullying him, you know? They started saying... Hey, who are you? Where are you from? Where are you going? What's up? Blah, 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 blah. And they ended up searching his car and found the pounds that he had in his trunk. Jeez. So the judge argued that he didn't feel the man could have possibly felt free to leave uh, after being seized by armed officers. Hmm. And so there it is. His conviction's been overturned. Well, good. At least there's a little nugget of sunshine at the end there. That's right. Yeah. Whew. Because 15 years. Yeah, that For looking been in the wrong direction. Absolutely ridiculous, man. You know, jeez, it's crazy. That's Officer Douche. That is Officer Douche, for sure. Also in Montana, regulators have proposed a set of marijuana rules uh, for recreational sales, and they're going to be holding a public hearing on November 16th, but written comments can be submitted all the way through November 29th. So, uh... The first day of recreational sales in Montana is tentatively January 1st, 2022, but these rules aren't set to be finalized until the end of December, hmm. which I would think would make it difficult for dispensaries to, uh, you know, hit the ground running. Yeah. You just got a few days to make sure it's all set. You're doing everything correctly. Not impossible, but... No. I mean, hopefully a lot of these guys have had the plan in place for a long time since, you know, even before they submitted the application, but... Well, of course, part of these proposed rules is that dispensaries can't sell CBD. Yeah, that one's like, wild. What? That one's a little bit weird. So only gas stations or non-dispensaries yeah, like CBD or, Shaman can sell it? Yeah. What? Or your second cousin on Facebook. And then what or, if they're like... <laughs> the, the, you could find it all over the place. What if it gets so twisted that they're like, Oh, does that nug have CBD in it? Over 0.3% or something yeah, ludicrous. You know, then know. you just screw the whole operation. I don't know. I don't understand personally. I don't understand it either. I'll submit a written comment complaining about that for sure. Yeah. Just fuck that. That makes no sense to me. Why you'd say, you licensed folks can't sell this. But gas stations, you're fine. Hmm. People that aren't dispensaries, you're fine. I don't know. What a world. What a world. Clown world. Honk, honk. <laughs> honk, honk. Now, in Massachusetts, their Supreme Judicial Court agreed to hear a case 
on the validity of a local marijuana sales ban. It works for this story, too. <laughs> born residents of born Mass, uh, they passed a bylaw banning the sales of recreational weed. I'm sick of your fucking smoke. You know, that was talked about. Towns could, you know, vote, have the people vote and say, we don't want weed in this town, weed yeah. sales, whatever. <laughs> I think it's a bad decision, but here they are. Um, and so this company, this Haven Center, which plans to grow and sell weed and process it all in one spot, um, they argue that the bylaws were adopted improperly because they were adopted as a general bylaw and not a zoning bylaw. Oh, lovely. So we'll see how this works out. We'll see. You always got to, you know, muck it up somehow. Yeah, muck it up. Just like Connecticut, uh, whose attorney general says that all the billboards for Massachusetts dispensaries must come down and they are illegal. Yeah. Uh, in their law that took effect in July, July 1st, uh, it says that retailers shall not, and I quote, engage in advertising by means of television, radio, internet, mobile applications, social media, or other electronic communication, billboard, or other outdoor signage, or print publication unless the advertiser has reliable evidence that at least 90% of the audience for the advertisement is reasonably expected to be 21 years of age or older. Oh, my God. How does one do that? Uh, I meanwhile, mean, bars and strip clubs? Meanwhile, I, yeah. Well, there's where I drive by ads for those, too. You know? So just, like, you gotta be... You can only advertise in those adult areas. What? I guess a casino? You can advertise casino, in a casino? that's a good one, yep. But not on the billboard where I drive by casino ads, where I drive by every damn seltzer ad all summer. There's like 90 seltzer ads. You drive by 70, you're running across all kinds of uh, porn shop ads, you know, dildo shop ads, strip clubs. XXX, right on the highway. Everything but cigarettes. They they got rid of cigarettes. You can't have a cigarette billboard. But what the fuck? You know what makes it worse? I think the reason why he's bitching at these dispensary, these Massachusetts dispensaries to get their ads down mm. is because in Massachusetts, they adopted a similar law, except for their threshold is 85%. 85%, 90%. Oh what are God. the... Yeah, Who it's like you say, you know, 33% of all statistics are pulled out of your ass. <laughs> it's just crazy. Way higher than 33, but yes. Way higher than 33. Yeah, I these agree. two are great examples. Yep. Two for two. Gotta oh, love it. this week Rhode Island is going to be holding a lottery for five dispensary licenses, Ooh. which everyone has been uh, waiting on. Luckily, Rhode Island's pretty small, but damn, five? Yeah, big numbers. Uh, big numbers for mm-hmm. a little roadie. It's going to be a quick and bloody fight, dude. Yes, it is. I mean, I'm sh- I hate to say this, but I'm sure they're already chosen. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong. It's, it's been that. They're like, okay. You're yeah. not wrong. They... Hello, friends. Are you ready to run your dispensary? The bread has been buttered long ago, long I would say. Long ago. Yeah. Jeez, they've had decades to <laughs> prep that one. Right. Lube that plan. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, New uh. York's Cannabis Control Board voted unanimously to file regulations that will allow patients to grow at home. Up to six plants. All right. Indoors 
or outdoors. Oh, very cool. Oh, I love that stipulation. Six plants, to me, still as a limit, that's way too low. If that's the total amount of plants you can have going. Well, you know what my next question was going to be is. Is it six? Uh, is that six plants or is that six in each stage of life? No, like it's our six law. plants. Six plants total? Right, that's, yeah. Blech. Right. That's how I feel. Blech. You need six clones, six veg, six flour. I'm going to say it every time it comes up because it's least. important. It's important. That should be the bare minimum. If you're gonna have a, if you're gonna have any plant limit, you have to allow for the plant at different stages of life for a grow cycle. Because the point of the law, the point of the law, when you have a medical law, is to get patients access to the medicine they need. Okay, the medicine that they need. So it's something they have to take regularly to help their symptoms. So if you don't have a plant limit that takes into account how weed works, how it grows, what the grow cycle is, then you're not going to be able to grow just by yourself as a layperson because that's what most patients are. They're just, you know, they're not like weed growing experts. They're just lay people who happen to be sick with something. So it's not the easiest thing. You give them that plant limit and you give it to them in every stage. So you got six plants and you can only, what, have, I guess, two of each? You got two clones and one dies and you got one clone mm. and then you're vegging it and something happens to it and you're fucked for that, you know, that many weeks. You got no medicine. Right. All for a dumbass limit, you know. It's and it's silly. in your home. They should just cut it to whatever nug. If they're going to make some arbitrary limit, just be like, well, you can only grow this much smoke or whatever. You know? I don't like that either. I don't either. No There's, limits. It shouldn't be any limits. It's just like either you can grow a plant or you can't grow a plant. If you can grow a plant, then just fuck off. I'm growing a plant. Right. Yes, exactly. Like, what's it going to do? What's it going to do if a dude has 40 plants in his basement? Or a dude has 130 plants in his basement. All plants. Oh, imagine. In if his own basement. They would have freaked if they saw our garlic bed last year. We the had 100 heads of garlic 100 going. heads, man. 100 Jeez. heads in the backyard, dude. 100 heads? That's 94 heads too many. I just don't understand what the number difference of friggin' plants that you got. It's so stupid. I don't either. Someone growing and paying their own bills. Yeah, well. Yeah, New York, New York. But uh, is it a step in the right direction? Yeah, I you suppose know, it's home grow at least. Step in the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. Yeah, I mean, six is bigger than zero. So right. there's that. And... Uh, er, a few shows ago, the officials, the regulators, were supposed to release homegirl rules. Uh, they had a deadline, and of they course. did not adhere to that deadline. Surprise, 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 surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not a registered medical patient in New York, under these set of rules, uh, you too will be able to home grow. Once recreational sales begin, uh, which isn't expected to be for a few months. Gotcha. And I say that loosely. Yeah. Mm, right. No well, date. That's, <laughs> that's the new deadline, but it's not even a hard one this time. Right. So. Yeah. Well. There are no deadlines for these fucks. Welcome to your government. That's the hurry up and wait plan. Yeah. It also does say in here that uh, the landlords can prohibit tenants from growing. So. Right. That's a. Ugh. Well, yeah. I mean, landlords sense, really within the. You're confines of certain law, you know, you're living in their property. So. Right. There's an argument to be made about that. But. Just, if you got a landlord right now in New York, hope that they're cool as fuck. Yeah. It's tough in New York. Man. Yeah. Life's tough, then you die. <laughs> That's what they keep telling me. 
But there was good news out of Florida uh, when a judge sided with Leafly in overturning the regulator's ban on using third-party apps to order medical marijuana. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Because you don't even order your weed through Leafly. I mean, there's no payment routing through there or anything. It's like a, it's like a catalog of weed. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'll have a link to the ruling in the show it's notes. A, it's like the Yelp of weed, basically. Yeah. It's, yeah, not, it's not like the Amazon of weed. No. It's like the Yelp of the, weed. It's a yellow book of weed. Yeah. Here's all the... I mean, you can punch in your zip code and see every dispensary near you and their whole line of products. Uh, anyways, yeah. The argument was that Leafly was violating state law, uh, which bans operators from contracting for services directly related to cultivation, processing, or dispensing. Yeah, again... They and don't then, accept payment or distribute yep, products, so... They lost because they're not actually doing that. Yeah, they so. brought that suit on the wrong group. Well, it's just... it's a, At least the justice system works sometimes. Because that's <laughs> sometimes. what it is, you know. They brought a case that wasn't there. They said they accused them of something they weren't doing. Yes. But the business model fucked us all. Yeah. Here's a funny one. Ooh, I like funny. Uh, after granting $3.7 million in social equity loans to help the licensees get their businesses started, Oakland marijuana regulators are now referring a handful of them, like about 40%, to the city's collections department because <laughs> they defaulted on payments. Oh, brother. Nice. The craziest part is that modifications were made to a lot of these loans in May 2020 to help the borrowers who were delinquent. And here we are. Yeah, well, I but, mean, you got to have a social equity loan, you know. Right? It doesn't look, uh, it's not giving a loan into somebody who has the ability to necessarily pay that back. It's just <laughs> giving them to a different category Yeah. based and on so something else, which is it's a problem with a lot of these, like the business licenses and the loans. The business license has to be objectively given to people who are best suited for running a business. And maybe you have a criteria list of that. I think it should be very basic. And I think there shouldn't be any caps. Everybody who meets the basic criteria should have a chance at a license. Yeah. And then the market can... Free market. The market can decide whether they live or die by the money. By Do people go and shop there or not? You know? I know. I know. I don't, I, I don't see why this is so difficult. <laughs> well, you know... It's a very simple certain, thing. <laughs> only certain people can hold the money... It's the same yeah. with loans, too. You know, it shouldn't be based on anything other no. than, objectively, who can use the loan and pay it back. You know, who's this loan going to help? They're and uh, if somebody's going delinquent and delinquent and then they get their credit destroyed and have to get collected and have collections hassling them forever now, like, it's not helping anybody. No. No. Pain in the butt. And, you know, collections and then what? Lawsuit? Yeah, just just as some kind of legal battle it, that never gets resolved because you know, I mean, I'm sure the, I'm sure several of the if they're saying that forty percent are delinquent, I'm sure a lot of those people should have never got the loan in the first place because they didn't have the ability to pay it back. They didn't have a reasonable ability to pay it back. That's right. Beginning, and you can modify their loan all you want. It's not going to change anything. Um, one of the women that worked on creating this social equity program was quoted in this article. And her quote just cracked me up. Because 
She said, well, they've definitely been struggling. We all know cannabis is capital intensive. And the biggest barrier to entry for any black or brown or small social equity business is access to capital. I'm just like, man. All cash, baby. Racist, black or brown. Come on. These are people impacted by the drug war. It's not about the color of your skin. It's social equity. God it, damn it. I don't know. Maybe it is. No, it's hilarious. She played her cards. It's just like, oh, my gosh. The whole thing makes me sick. But um, there is a lawyer quoted in the story representing a client whose shop actually closed towards the end of 2020 after being robbed time and time again. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's just stories like that. Like. And, you know, because they're can of businesses, and this is all federally illegal, they can't, they don't have the corporate bankruptcy protections or the normal businesses do. Like proper insurance policies. Like, they just got reamed so hard. Never take the government gibbs. So hard. Don't do it. No. It's a hook. Yeah. On a line. It's never, don't take it. Never worth it. No. Come on. You know, plead the fifth. You know better. <laughs> Don't talk to those motherfuckers at all. Don't deal with them. Yeah. Ugh. Here we are, though. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, we're, you know, I was saying I'm the indicant earlier right. or whatever. But there was a study that came out sometime between last token Tuesday and this one. Uh, and it looked at more than 100 cannabis samples. Uh, and let's see, what did they say? What did they say? They said that... Uh, sativa and indica-labeled samples were genetically indistinct on a genome-wide scale. Mm. It's just the terpenes, you know, making right. the difference Right, well, there. I mean, isn't that kind of like, uh, what, aren't most dogs, like, genetically the same, only they, they have different traits? I think so. I think that's a good analogy. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. Could be totally They're all dogs. talking at my ass. It's all weed. Supposedly all the humans are the same, right? Even though there's like dramatic differences between us, like we're all the same. But hey, if, you, the if, you, if you lick a stick for twenty eight or twenty three and me, then it comes back kind of a lot different. So I don't know. Yeah, who I knows? Know. I don't. I'm a simple tard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but a bipartisan bill was filed last week, the Medical Marijuana Research Act, uh, in the hopes of removing barriers for researchers trying to look at weed by allowing scientists. To get their weed from state legal dispensaries. Oh, that should be easy. Makes nothing but sense to me. Yeah. But, you know. Why can't um, they do that already? That's just silly. They tried last year and oh, it didn't get on. legs. You know? Pass it through. That's an it easy one. the house. It just stalled. That's an easy one. Just just get it done, guys. Come on. Just get that one through. Uh, coincidentally, um, NIDA, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, just submitted a report to the Congressional House and Senate Appropriations Committees um, and that was under some request in previously enacted legislation. Uh, but the report outlines all the barriers presented to researchers trying to look at controlled substances, especially Schedule One substances like cannabis. You know, and some of the things they talked about were that it's just administratively complicated. Getting a registration to do a study, it takes a year, maybe more. Uh, If you make any changes, you have to update the registration, which can take who knows how long. Uh, It used to be that only one person working on the study had to register. Suddenly, it's everyone that has to go through this registration process. And, of course, there's two sets of guidelines they have to look at all the time, state and federal. So, uh, you know, 
this is why American research keeps getting delayed and stalled and mm-hmm. has all these problems. And oh, we're just so behind. I know. Right? It's the whole federal system. But just, wait, wait. We have to control the corruption. Yeah. Another example they gave is that uh, in some cases, the DEA required that every site that they used in that study, every room they entered, had to be registered individually on top of everyone participating and all the stuff they're getting. And uh, and that was even if it's all in one campus. Wow. Just How convenient. <laughs> how convenient, right? <laughs> oh, what a nightmare. A nightmare indeed. Um, funny story, or at least entertaining on some scale. Anonymous apes, an activist group dressed like gorillas, they decided to erect an eight-foot 2001 pound monolith outside of the DEA headquarters last Wednesday. Excuse me, what? They were feeling that shit last token Tuesday. They put their gorilla suits on and got to work. (laughs) I guess so, man. You were feeling that shit. Of course, it's, uh, you know, like a harken to Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, where apes discover the monolith that accelerates evolution. Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, they're calling on the agency to evolve. It's good shit. Fucking dinosaur. That's a great, that's a great protest. Yes, I, creativity, I like it, I like it. And no one had to stop traffic to do it, yeah? No, 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 exactly. Those are the most irritating ones where they (laughs) stand out in fucking highways. Oh, that's true. Disrespectful. Don't shed any tears or have any sympathy for people (laughs) who get hit or get hurt on that kind of stuff, you know? I know. Don't I, play in the street, kids. No, yeah. That's a early lesson. Don't play in the street. It's uh, a good way to get hurt. Some shitty creativity, as expected, came out of Americans Against Legalizing Marijuana this week. Uh, oh, they nice. wrote a blog post where they agreed and then said they hated agreeing with the Parkland shooter, Nicholas Cruz. What the fuck? Who said after his guilty plea in court, Quote, this country would do better if everyone would stop smoking marijuana and doing all these drugs. <laughs> I was like... I should probably try it. Good job, you guys. You agreed with a murderer. I smoked some weed today. Yeah. What you gonna do about it? Instead of getting angry and shooting up his classmates, he should have just hit the bong. You know, it's like... I don't get it. Like... These people just have to display their ignorance at every little turn, you know? <laughs> they do. They you, do. And you, they're proud of it. You could have just not put any press release out at all and then had your little monthly meeting and talked about it there and been like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's fucked up and he was right. No. Nah, they loaded a little entertainment in my, my bowl. And for that, I thank them. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap things up, I wanted to remind people that the dusty man in office proclaimed October to be National Youth Substance Use Prevention Month. Right. Which works so well with Halloween when every year they've wanted to say, ah, check the candy. You don't know what's in it. Mm-hmm. Could be there's, stabby things. Oh, there's cracking razor blades in the candy. That's right. And last week we talked about these kids in a classroom who pulled out Stony Patch Kids packets from their teacher's uh, little goodie box you know, after they got an well, answer right yeah. or something. Yep. Uh, then at the end of last month, there was a story in Pennsylvania where they confiscated a bunch of medibles. I have a quote. Or I have a clip. Oh, a clip. A clip. A lot of quotes. Let's hear it. This is just silly. This is just silly. 
All right, now the details on a big warning for parents tonight. Police officers in Ben Salem confiscated these items during a traffic stop. It's candy laced with marijuana. And now police laced. don't want these friendly looking snacks to get into the wrong hands with Halloween coming up. <sighs> That's right, Rick, and officials say it's scary because it's the packaging scary. looks so much I'm like scared. the real thing. And they say it's sealed. It's closed packaging. So they say moving forward, this could pose a big problem. Ben Salem police confiscated what looks like normal candy during a traffic stop earlier this month. But these sweet tarts, they're medicated. These Sour Patch candies have a twist and these Cheetos are anything but. All of these <coughs> items are laced with THC. It does look real. It does look like the actual candy or chips or anything. Sweet tarts. Wow, that's scary. Scary. My grandson eats these. Scary. It's really scary. All of it looks so real. Who knows real. where these things could have wound up? You know, people think they're funny and they're going to put them in Halloween bags and not realize that you could have uh, uh, a child now that could have a reaction to it. You could have a child that's taking too much of it. Now, they don't look like the regular type of candies you would buy in grocery stores or a candy store, but it's enough that if a parent isn't checking properly or a child decides that uh, he or she is hungry on the uh, Halloween trail, they might just reach in and open a bag of what appears to be Cheetos, but they're not. Cheetos, but they're not. <laughs> no, they're, they're anything but is what uh, I heard from the beginning of the report. But they are real and they are scary. How That's are they what anything but? They're like, aside from one ingredient, they're pretty much the same shit. Right. <laughs> like, come on. You just get you stoned is all. That's all. That's all. But uh, yeah, I know. I don't know I, anyone who would pay money for edibles and then put them out for kids to take. They always repeat the whole kids getting a hold of gummies they're not supposed to story. Like they'll roll it out every, you know, few months at the le at the least. But they had and to really drive it this month. It's always so irritating because it's like it's always some parent who gets their kid gets a hold of something they shouldn't, and then they just have a global, total fucking panic attack. And set the whole world on fire, you know? I know. But me, I'm not dumb enough to let my kids get into stuff they're not supposed to get into. Just doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Shouldn't ever happen. And they said it's tough to tell the difference. They showed the packaging there. It's got weed leaves all over it's it. It's tough to tell the difference. You know the fucking difference. That's the problem. Whoever is buying these products bought the products. They're theirs. And so you keep them in a safe spot. And you know what it is. And tell me you can't, you go buy some CBD gummies and you don't, can't tell the difference. No one else should see your CBD gummies. No. They're in your drawer, they're in your bag, or they're wherever. They're and not then, in the jack-o'-lantern you're you, holding out for kids. Then you eat them fairly soon, and then you, they're gone, you know? You tell me these kids are getting into it. But okay, sure, so say your kid gets into it. Then put your kid in bed, you know? Give him some water, they'll him be down, fine. Give him some water, put him in bed, make him go to sleep. Next day, it's done. You can't tell me all these kids a bad reaction. Oh, the kid with a bad reaction. Right? Yes, that was no, the other. You freaked your fucking kid out because you ran around in circles, going like, "I don't know if it's gonna. Oh, my kid might die. My kid might die." No, kid is not gonna die because it ate some weed. Okay. Now, some of these packages that they were showing, um, it wasn't the Stony Patch kids that they showed for the teacher. It was what did they say? Like. Stoner patch dummies or something, mm -hmm. and then they had Stonio instead of Oreos, and they were saying like 500 milligrams. I was like, Well, that is a ridiculously high number. So I started looking some of these products up, and guess what? Guess where I found them? Right. I didn't find the products, I found the packaging 
available on DHgate, which is a Chinese wholesale site. <laughs> so you buy the packaging and then you put your own edibles or whatever in them. I see. And what's been happening is people are just buying Sour Patch Kids and then spraying a THC distillate on them. Ugh. So like 500 milligrams my ass. Yeah. And that's just... Four or five, maybe. It's going to be nasty. It is going to be nasty. Yeah, I saw uh, some posts about it on the interwebs where people are just like, oh, I opened these Stony Patch Kids and they smell like oil. Should I uh, eat them? (laughs) Weird. And I found this little... This out because the creators of Sour Patch Kids are suing the unknown Stony Patch Gummies creators. Oh. So I fell into their uh, court documents. Oh, no. Yeah. And they did find a package creator in L.A. that makes the Stoner Patch Kid whatever it is that were shown <laughs> in the teacher thing. Because at first I was like, is this a native ad? Yeah. You know, is this a native ad? Are they selling someone's edibles? Um, and no, those those package creators are in LA, but then, you know, they just sell the packages. Maybe Weird. to whoever. It looks like um, Mondelez, the Sour Patch Kid creators, are going to be working with Facebag to try and figure out who all is buying them, though. What a nightmare. Facebag was name dropped in the docs. Which will be in the show notes, but yeah, and to go against to you know psych up uh, ignorant parents, those who fear because they don't know better. Oh yeah, well, NPR it's... cited a study this week suggesting that teen weed vaping has doubled between 2013 and 2020 to a whopping 8.4 percent daily users. Oh no! Oh no! It's like kids are kids. High schoolers especially, they're going to experiment and try stuff, you know? Yeah. Just be thankful it's weed. And there's the, the the thing to remember about that is it's not the government's position or um, purpose, I should say. To nanny? To go and correct that. It's not for the government to do. It's for the parents of the kids to do. That's right. And Parent all, your children. And kid, there's kids without parents, and they have some legal guardianships. They're a ward of someone, you know? People, like, are just... So super fast to point out, like the, well, not all kids parents have not all kids have parents, and you know all kids are someone is responsible for all kids, mm-hmm. and there's a few that are like an exception, you know. You yep. want to make an exception for a few kids? There's what you make them more to the state, and then that sucks for them. Yeah, there's. I think there's still a but the general numbers the the state doesn't exist responsibility to, for them. The state doesn't say. exist to raise our kids. No. We should stop letting them do it. It's ridiculous. It's really bad. This is one of those, the solution is worse than the problem ever was, I think. I agree. Sending kids to the state. Yeah, NPR, you know, they're talking about risks of teen weed usage, like substance dependence and uh, vague social behavioral problems. But I'm just like, you know, I wouldn't advocate for a child using any substance or even, you know, Eating a lot of sugar, anything. There's lots yeah. of things you can become dependent on. Anything, really. Um, but they don't have any, like, actual science there, you know? Like, tell me how it affects the growing brain. You know, how it's going to impact these kids. Oh, wait. We don't have the patience and time and people to do the studies to find that out. Oh, yeah, or they're constantly and, getting blocked or shut down. Yeah, exactly. So, I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. Cool. 
<laughs> cool. But I do know there's a metal moment tonight. That's right. We have a fresh metal moment, the last one of uh, Spooktober. Metal moment! And uh, let's just see where it is right here. Here it comes. In the bowl and in the morning, y'all. This here is the Reverend Cybertrucker with the final installment of my Halloween special, Metal Moment. Nightwish is a symphonic metal band from Kati, Finland, and was first formed in 1996, and since then have gone on to produce over nine albums. Their 2004 album, Once, sold more than a million copies and was the band's breakthrough into the United States, with their biggest single, Wish I Had an Angle, receiving MTV airplay and being included on three U.S. film soundtracks. This particular song, which comes from their album Century Child, is perhaps the most recognized Broadway song in history. This is Nightwish, the Phantom of the Opera. sucker for operatic vocals in metal yeah that was you guys i was voting for the opera cover (laughs) every poll that the rev put out (laughs) like come on come on come on somehow Uh, they saved the best for last yes i love nightwish we will have a link in the show notes thank you rev yes excellent work yet again the reports keep getting better and better fantastic fantastic hey well you know what else is fantastic is Talking about the first time you ever had a paranormal experience. This whole thing is very, very spooky. Spooky. um, I'm interested. I'm interested. Text line says, uh, how cool is it that Spencer's name is in Dispensary? I'd fucking love to see you to open one called Howlin' Herbs Dispensary. Thank you, Quirkess, on the text line. Oh, yeah, Quirkess. Um... Yeah, we got the text line, we got the voicemail line, and uh, callers are telling us about uh, their paranormal experiences. I don't know if I've had a paranormal experience. Maybe I have. Uh, Well, okay, I'm going to go with this one, though. So um, when I was um, uh, maybe a year or two after I graduated college, and I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, my mom came to visit me from Hawaii, and um, and I, there was um, anyway. It, it, but 
fortunately, we had a bit of an argument, and my mother was saying some very crazy stuff. And um, the end result was, uh, so it was actually the night before she was supposed to leave, and she demanded that night that I take her to the airport, even though her flight was not until the morning. Uh, yeah, that that was that was very uncomfortable when when that happened. But uh, so yeah, we took care of all that, and uh, and but on the on the way to the airport, I am sitting, I'm driving. And, uh, you know, driving my mom to the airport, she's, uh, you know, the words that are coming out of her mouth are words that, uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think I'd ever, like, heard some nasty stuff from my mother over the years, but I don't think I ever heard anything that nasty. And, you know, and I walked away from that, and, and it's just, it was just the oddest experience, like, dropping your mom off at the airport, it was not very, it was not a very happy experience. Um, the feeling I came away with was Satan was there. Uh it had had Whoa. possessed my mother, um, and uh, that was you know yeah that that's probably the closest I've come to a uh, a paranormal experience. It's it's also it's kind of a traumatic uh, paranormal experience, no but doubt. that is uh, yeah that it's like I guess I mean I've maybe there's some other stuff, but that's certainly the most memorable one, and that you know that obviously had a huge impact on my on my life. Um, considering my mother was the one, uh, I don't know, the one parent who kind of had it together. But, uh, yeah, that was a, yeah, I, you know, from there things uh, did not go so well for my mother. So, you know, I don't know. She got, she, you know, I was, I, 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 I know I've said before that, uh, you know, both of my parents were drunk stone hippies. And, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I'm sure maybe maybe the devil in this case was alcohol. But uh, I don't know. It was uh, it was definitely kind of uh uh, kind of scary. A little so, bit. Yeah, yeah, but that's uh, you know. So I guess that is my uh, that is my paranormal experience. Love you, mean it. Damn. Love you, phone boy. That's an amazing story, man. That's, that's cool as fuck. <laughs> that was a wild one. Whoo! Give me shivers. Spine shivers. Check out phone boy speaks. Check it on out. That's crazy though. I can totally relate to that. When people start, sometimes you just see it. In their eyes, too, mm -hmm. when people are talking and they're just throwing some crazy shit at you. Yeah. Nasty stuff. And you're like, wow, that's not you. Yeah. It, it's scary. Weirdness. Possession of some sort. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Spoopy. Let's see what this next caller has to spoop about. Oh, in the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl, everybody. In the bowl. First time I ever had a paranormal experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... Partying like it was 1999. <laughs> and Woo! I literally mean that. It was a party in 1999. Oh, yeah. It was in St. Louis. I was at an event, middle of the night, with a bunch of friends. And it was inside an abandoned warehouse. All the proper permits were in place, of course. So, And there was a police presence. So it wasn't like this was an illegal rave party from hell. But... At the time, which and those were my uh, formative years of independence, late, well, late teens, just easing in to 20. Ooh, the fun time. And I went outside. I was at the party. I went outside, went past. I was confused, and I went past through this uh, gate to go outside and smoke a cigarette because I smoked cigarettes at the time. And I discovered and learned quickly that I had uh, gone through an exit and was not allowed to come back into the party. Oh, so bunk. Uh, I was quite 
upset about this. I can imagine. And I uh, begged some of my friends who were there Whoa. to come to an outside roped off area that allowed for people to smoke, which I had missed. And um, uh, they would like, no, you're on your own, bro. So anyway, uh, I was uh, kind like of walking these. around outside and uh, I was having my cigarette. I was out there short sleeved or perhaps shirtless probably in the cold. And because uh, it was uh, it was around October ish, about this time of the year, and I uh, had my head kind of tilted towards my feet, shoulders collapsed forward, taking a drag off the cigarette like you know some poor skinny dope boy. And uh, <laughs> I remember all of a sudden just this this rustle of wind, and I literally felt my body. Now I'm moving my leg. My body scooted across the gravel parking lot I was in about probably six inches to a foot. Whoa. Fully aware that I was moving on the ground. And I looked up into the sky at that moment, and I saw what looked like the Norwegian spiral, if you want to look that up on YouTube sometime. An amazing event. Now, they chalked that up to a missile gone rogue uh, off kilter. But huh. uh, anyway, it looked like that. It was quite bizarre. I thought it was in another dimension at some point. And I, oh. uh, it really scared me. Oh, cliffhanger. Let's see. He, he finishes it up here. Sorry about that. That's I was okay. so close to the end. Oof. All Oof. I was going to say is that I, I, I was just, it, scared, it scared the shit out of me. And somehow I got through the rest of the night, and people were pretty much done with the party. And uh, we got back into our vehicles where I tried to thaw and uh, got home in preparation to have to go to work the next morning. But that was my, oops, paranormal experience. Hmm. Uh, my one and only, as far as I can recall, uh, I, I really think I would remember any others that I've had, but uh, I've played around with a Ouija board once in a while, and I've got it to work by itself, which is an odd experience, I might say. But uh, nothing compares or holds a candle to... My perceived Norwegian spiral. Yeah. At a 1999 permitted party in the middle of the night on the garden parking lot, where I was, my bodily, physical body was moved. Weird. Literally, while standing still across a gravel parking lot. Damn. In the bowl. In the bowl. Have a good one. Love you guys. Love the love the cons. Bye. Love you. Love you. Even South. Zune on the socials. That's right. By the way, I have to say that. Uh, Zune and Dame Geek Squared is like the cutest thing I've ever seen on NOS. Like oh, the cutest thing has yes. ever happened in NOS canon. They're NOS official. Oh my god. In the bios. If you guys didn't notice that by now, oh my god. I love it. Just I wow. Love you guys. Just wow. You guys are fucking amazing. All right. Yeah. yeah you wouldn't be able to forget that. That almost <laughs> sounds like some alien shit. Ooh. To me. Unexplainable, nevertheless. Dude. Which is what I was hoping to get at with the paranormal word. Yeah. Open it up to all the dimensions of possibility. Exactly. Yeah, that's Just wild. Just stuff you can't explain and you'll never forget. That is wild. Not quite as wild. Well, at least as wild, let's say. This is next caller. Mm. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Bowl. In a bowl. In a bowl. Halloween episode. Halloween episode. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, I can just imagine you, Gloria, making the adorable Halloween costume hard at work. Yeah. With the yeah. cubbies. 
trying to do everything at once, mm -hmm. as you so masterfully do, I think. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a good time. I hope it's a nice, warm, beautiful Halloween. Yeah, me too. For the kiddos this Sunday. Me three. And that you all get out and see some magnificent Halloween moss <laughs> <laughs> displays. Mm. Yes, it's going to be quite magical and magnificent Halloween. I feel, I feel it. I, I feel it in all my fun holes. Really, <laughs> I have to say. Oh, I have to say, thank you. What an amazing, what an amazing voicemail you left last night. Hey. Oh, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the schemes for my parents, Behind the schemes, you made me, you made dreams come true for it was me. A, it was a nice bit of boost bait. Mm, that's some tasty oh, boost bait. What? What? <laughs> masterfully <laughs> erotic voicemail you left it just superb thank you I can't even tell you I'm still thinking about it <laughs> obviously <sighs> yes mm. thank you thank you thank you mm. that will keep me going for quite some time oh yeah yeah keep the streams hot and wet all day and night long like you always do. Mm. And I truly love you. Oh, yeah. I'll call back later. Okay. A little story. Oh, nice. I just wanted to tell you that first and foremost. For play most. <laughs> mm. What a fantastically wonderful 69. Mm. Yummy, yummy. Love you. Love you, quick ass. Mm -hmm. ah. Wow. Keep it going for a long time. She, uh, she, well, what should we do with the video footage? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know what to do with it. What should we do for a <laughs> Where's the hole? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Florian. Uh, yes. I found it. There's no shortage of fun holes in the bowl. That yes. is for damn sure. No doubt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 studio. I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you just one more time. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for always making me feel so supported and loved and encouraged. Um, your love is so magnificently lit. So lit. I feel it all throughout my soul. The greatest hole. <laughs> that made no sense. <laughs> Sorry. You know, that's me. Trying to be clever and charming and poetic and funny. It just doesn't work most of the time. Sometimes. Oh, whatever. Anyway, in the bowl, I never have to worry, really. Exactly. I don't right. care. I don't care. It's wonderful just to be with you, just to hear you and feel you mm, on so many levels. You are feeling that shit. Stories are going to be fucking great tonight. <laughs> know it. All the paranormal experiences, I want them all. Give me all. Give me all your. <laughs> give me all your stories and all of your prose. Mm -hmm. For where they end, nobody knows. I want them all. I hope everyone calls. Don't be shy. This has been a good one. Give it a try. For calls. Everything smooth and beautiful in the bowl. There's no need to fear. 
just call up and share it all with us. We love it. Yeah. Speaking of sharing, yes. I have had several paranormal experiences in my life. Well, lay it on us, Quirkass. I know that I had some in my childhood. Yeah. I don't recall what all of them are, honestly. There's a lot of repressed, a lot of fucking repressed memories there mm. in my chaotic, like, uh, maddening childhood. So one of the first ones I had um, that I remember is at Bachelors Grove Cemetery. Oh, I've droned on and on so that I'm out of time. I'll Uh-oh. tell you in a minute. Yeah. All right. Refresh the clock. Okay, okay, okay. All right. number three. <laughs> Let's hear it. I shall complete. I promise thee. This story is one that still gives me chills just thinking about it. I was at Bachelors Grove Cemetery in Midlothian, um, the Midlothian area of that's the south suburb of Chicagoland, of Chicago, and shit, Chicago. So this cemetery is notoriously, notoriously haunted. Nobody, most people that have uh, talked about taking pictures there almost always capture something. Mm. I know I did. I know my friends did. Something that is anomalous and spooky-ooky and unexplainable from what we understand of, of well, our world. But um, some of my friends, even the most discerning and skeptical, uh, even experienced that themselves, feelings there. It's a tiny, tiny little desecrated decimated cemetery that's been um, really, it's really perished. There's been a lot of satanic ritual um, rituals that have gone on in the the vicinity. It's a huge forest preserve area out mm. there. Very beautiful in that uh, area of uh, the south suburbs and just really dense forest in some areas. And there's um, a lot of trails and there's a pond there which is known for having been a disposal for bodies of mobsters and people over time, that even a horse and carriage was once buried in there. Whoa. But it doesn't look deep enough. However, it's just beyond the farthest perimeter gate and um, farthest perimeter fence, and there's a huge hole in there. And I stepped through. I was there one day. I was just um, in the middle of a beautiful spring day. Um, I'm running out of time here. And I was alone. I was cleaning up some of the um, some of the garbage that, you know, people who party there leave behind. Um, people would trash that place and all the stones. It was just it was horrible. But so sometimes people like myself would come there and go there and clean everything up. I stepped through the – I stepped through the, the – entrance between the perimeter fence and the pond and something which I cannot tell you because I'm out of time again. Uh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's try number four. Oh, okay. Aren't you thrilled? I'm ready. I am. <laughs> sorry. Oh, that's all right. Let's do number four. Here we are. My promises are no good. Let's be honest. Uh, promises, <laughs> no, promises. Voicemails, anyway. We all know that by now. We got to have this Quirk S on here. most I've ever left before because... Sometimes. I just can't seem to get my energy levels up today. I overdid it yesterday oh. with drink and smoke and yeah. emotional you shot your roller coastering. Yeah. <laughs> up and That's down all right. and all around. 
It's all right. In and out and through. Paranormal so, stuff takes a while to get out. To I'm, I'm extra droney and douchey today. So <clears throat> I stepped through the, I stepped through this, this um, cut. It was cut open, obviously, by people in the past. And this outer perimeter surrounded by woods um, or the back perimeter. So it was, you just see the pond and then you see the, the travel way. The, it's like a little highway and beyond that. And I saw something. I was just looking. It was such a beautiful day, sunny and streaming through the leaves. And I couldn't believe I was there alone. Usually there's somebody that is there in that place. Check it out. Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. It is one creepy fucking place. And I've, oh, I've often felt something there. I've heard voices just seems to carry on the wind. That place has a trail that is haunted by a house. Like, I should you not. There's all kinds of fucking crazy hauntings. Um, and it's there have been many books written about it. I saw something across the pond, and I was unable to identify what kind of creature it was. And that doesn't mean it was anything paranormal. It wasn't a skinwalker. It wasn't a chupacabra. Mm. <laughs> it just moved faster than anything I had ever seen. And with the flash that I saw, it reminded me of like a hyena. So maybe it was Ooh. a mangy dog. I don't know. But it moved crazy fucking fast. Now, to get around to where I was on my side of the pond, it would have had to make a lot of rustling to get there in the three seconds that it did because I felt it next to me, and it growled very menacingly. Whoa. Uh, I'm, oh, God, I'm dying. I was frozen in fucking terror. It was <laughs> Shoot. I'm pretty sure that that's why I just... That's crazy. I didn't see it, though. I just saw, like, an outline of... Oh, it was like Predator. A creature. Oh, God. It was one of the craziest... Oh, I see a picture scary. of the lake here, too. Or the pond. Experiences I've ever had in the bowl. In the bowl. Love you. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, for all the voice now. No, it's all right. Uh, help me. It turns out you're not the only one. Uh, that needed more time than the three minutes. Paranormal stuff is a little bit more dense, you know? It's a little bit more dense of a story to tell, I feel like, in your typical paranormal experience, right? I mean, what was your first? Oh, man. My first, I only... (laughs) It's one of my earliest memories, actually. Uh, I was at my great-grandparents' house, which is where I stayed, where I grew up, where I spent most of my days. (laughs) And it was, I guess, a ranch... Um, in the living room, there was a short staircase that led to a hallway. There were no walls, just a banister railing there, and then the bedroom's behind that railing, if that makes any sense. So my Nana would be sitting in her chair under that railing watching the boob tube TV. Entertainment tonight, stupid news and stuff. And there's a big bay window in the living room. And I used to sit in the on the hallway with my legs under the banister railing, looking over the living room, you know, Mm -hmm. looking at the bay window and the TV in my perspective. And one night, I was watching the TV behind her sitting there, just zoning out, whatever, and I looked out the bay window, and I saw a man standing there holding a briefcase with a monocle. I shit you not. This is a very (laughs) vivid memory for me. Yeah. And it gets drawn out sometimes, a weird... Wherever, you know, I know you've heard me tell it before to different friends. And next to this man was a giant 
eyeball with wings. Mm-hmm. Can't make this shit up, okay, guys? I've I seen was you, like, I've, seen it I've drawn, drawn it made, out yep. ten times. It always looks the same. I was, it had to be between three and five because I was walking. Well, I guess you can walk at like a year old or whatever. Uh, it was a very early memory, yeah. this one. And I said to my Nana, I said, who's that man in the window? And she looked at the window. She looked at me and she got her ass up and shut the curtains and was like, go to bed. There's no man there. And she has never forgotten that because that creeped her out so bad. You know, there's a man looking in the window. The prison wasn't that far from the house. And she was always afraid of like prisoners escaping and hiding under the shed or whatever. (laughs) So then I tell her, oh, there's a man out the window. Yeah. She didn't let that one. She was like, go to bed. Yeah. She gets my papa. Get out the shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. A guy had a mustache and monocle. Uh, certain kind of top hat like a bowler hat maybe hmm. he's well dressed well dressed and it was so early in life like i don't know if it was ghostly or d- some other dimension or alien or that's weird an- angelic maybe it's because i wasn't weird. necessarily scared i've had weird experiences where like you just feel cold as ice and terrified yeah. and this was not one of them i was just very casually like who's that man in the window huh with his floating eyeball friend. With the floating eyeball friend. Yeah, I didn't think anything of that. It felt like a pet to him. You know, that's kind of how I perceived it. Weird. It wasn't, it's like, oh, that's, there's a man walking with his boa constrictor around his neck or, you know, yeah. someone walking their dog. It's like, it's oh, this like, guy's got a pet flying eyeball. Yeah. No thing, but a chicken wing. Yeah. There, <laughs> there's actually a character in Monster Rancher. You ever seen Monster Rancher? He's like an eyeball on a little tail that he bounces on. And this thing... Looked a lot like that, but without a smile or anything, with wings. Huh. Weird. Yeah, it's been a while since i seen the old Monster Rancher, but... Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah. Hey, hopefully we get another weird one. Oh, I bet we do. Let's check it out. First time I ever had a paranormal experience or encounter, it had to be sometime after, like, sixth grade, seventh grade. Uh, I was particularly sick. I think this is when I was homeschooled. So I didn't have to worry about being anywhere the next day. But uh, <clears throat> it got up in the middle of the night. I was running a pretty hot fever. And I was getting water or something. Uh, I don't remember what. It is not important because as I'm making my way back to my room, I look out the window and there is a man standing in the yard staring at me. Whoa. And yeah, man. probably like the one or two times in my life that I've been terrified of something because there's just this guy standing in the yard staring at me and I'm fucking frozen. I'm sitting there. I'm staring at him. He's staring at me. I'm like, you know, it, it felt like it went on forever. I can't tell you how long it actually was. It was. It might have been only moments, you know. Who's to really say? <laughs> but uh, you know, I ended up shifting, and it just, just like that, the dude turned into a collection of leaves and tree branches. Whoa. And uh, I hadn't really thought about that story until 2017, maybe. And it was when shit was kind of going off the rails for me, as far as like kind of coming to terms with my own understanding of the universe and things kind of waking, you know, opening up and 
getting a little more in tune with shit. And uh, there was a lot of moments like that throughout uh, my history that just kept flashing. Like, you know, it's like, oh, this is just a really bizarre moment. I'll tell you this much. I do believe in shadow people. I've mm-hmm. seen them a couple more times. Uh, one was as recent as, like, 2018. Um, <laughs> I felt like I had my grandmother following me around for, like, the better part of the summer, spring, summer this year. Uh, she's been gone for a long, long time, and every time I turned around, I felt like I was, you know, just caught her out of the corner of my eye. Can't explain it. Um, just all sorts of weird stuff. We had a piece of bottom pipe, 15-foot-long quarter inch, or sorry, inch-wide tube, steel tube. That's what they used to keep the curtains nice and taut in theater. We were playing a Freemasonic hall, and a 15-foot piece of pipe fell out of one of the drapes and came careening down into the desk, that, or into the deck during a show. That was pretty fucking spooky. Nope. Oh. Hit that wall. That was pretty fucking spooky. There was this other time that I tried scrying into a TV screen in Las Vegas, which I don't recommend you do. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had caught a disembodied laugh. I was in a hotel room, and I was right by the elevators, and, you know, it's Vegas. All throughout the night, there's just doors slamming left and right, left and right, left and right. And uh, just, like, after doing this long meditation into the TV, again, bad idea, wouldn't recommend. (laughs) Uh, There was a specific time. I actually got it written down in a a little book of mine, uh, what time that it happened. But, uh, yeah, there was just this room that, or uh there was this laugh that just was in the room. It wasn't in the hallway. You know, it wasn't coming from one of the other rooms. It, it legit felt like it was taking place in that very room. Uh, this is more of a recent experience, but I've had six or so rather hardcore synchronicities tied back to uh, a friend of mine that had passed away back in 2019. It was three years ago, yeah. Um, and all of that was happening right around, uh, well, right over top is uh, Happy Death Day, actually. It was about a month ago, first, second week in October. And funny enough, like, all these synchronicities, they kept happening while listening to uh, Mo Fax and getting prepped for his show. Uh, and then there's some other stuff uh, that's been going on kind of outside of the no agenda realm that, ties into it and it's all very bizarre i can't i can't make heads or tails of it uh, i had my tarot card following me around for the longest time without even realizing it like i was just seeing fucking lions women and we bought a piece of uh you know art from uh, a video game store it was just a print of uh samus Aran and ridley from the metroid series and it was just a cool fucking drawing and then lo and behold i start getting into tarot and i realized that this card is done up like the strength card, which is uh, July's card, or I should say the card of Leo. Hmm. Um, I've ran into Sears so many fucking times, it's not even funny. Like witches and uh, you know, everywhere from some bumfuck town in North Dakota all the way to Sacramento. Found voodoo dolls in the in the basement of an antique store, and I bought it. And this witch got all freaked out, and she wrapped it up, and it's still wrapped up in a black cloth sitting in a trunk. And <laughs> man, <laughs> all sorts of weird shit, man. In the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. 
boobs. Well, I have one of those. There's all kinds of weird shit. All kinds of weird shit. I second that. Shadow people are real. Yeah, no doubt. I mentioned ice cold terrified. Yes. Shadow people experiences top of that list. Yeah. First time I ever felt just like you couldn't move, like frozen in fear. And petrified. The fear came out of petrified, yeah. And it was the biggest fear I've ever felt in my life, and it only lasted for a few seconds. And there yeah. was a strange shadow in the room. The shadow man's. Yeah, I was freaking. And that was when. The shadow boys, the shady boys. A lot of weird disruptions were going on in my life. I don't know. I don't know. Evil urges, so, baby. Evil urges, maybe. Maybe. Evil something. I got an evil urge to listen to this next caller. Um, I kind of had to think about this because I was trying to make sure it wasn't like a uh, sign from the afterlife. So maybe that'd be a good one. Uh, first time you've ever had a sign from the afterlife. Ooh. That is a good one. Um, if there is an afterlife. Um, <clears throat> I, the, the one time uh, a buddy and I were playing basketball in his driveway and I had uh, opened the doors of my dad's car uh, to play music while we were in the driveway. Uh, I don't know why we did that. Probably too lazy to go get a freaking radio. Yeah. But, and it wasn't loud enough uh, with the windows just rolled down. So uh, I had the door open, and <clears throat> him and I were playing, and the door shut uh, like on its own. Uh, the the wind there was a little bit of wind that day but it wasn't like that and the velocity that the door had to be going to make the noise that it did was uh uh louder than it could have than than the wind wind could have pushed it hmm. and it was an old like uh Monte Carlo you know big old two door uh <clears throat> it's about an eighty I can't remember what year that was but yeah there's <clears throat> those cars probably the doors would stay open and uh Hurricane Katrina, because they were so heavy, <laughs> big lunkin doors. Um, there's probably cars that they still can't shut the doors on from Hurricane Katrina that were from the 80s. But in the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. May your doors stay ever wider. <laughs> yeah. That I just went for it. I went for it. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Weird, man. Moving the unmovable doors. Sounds like not that wind. Not that wind. Not that wind. This next caller claims to have a similar experience to yours. You can be the judge of that. Here, I'm just I'm just scraping a little bit off the edge here. Oh yeah, yeah. Just load a fresh one here. Come here. Oh my first my uh my first paranormal activity. Oh boy. Oh boy. I was forgive me if I've already told the story. I was in my grandparents' place. And I was downstairs. And, uh, you know, the place has always had kind of a spooky element about it. It's on this sort of like half island in this delta in this in this river. And uh, it's always had kind of a spooky vibe to it. I'm like, oh, spooky. I usually sleep downstairs. It's a two-story. And I'm down on the first floor, which is technically uh, not up to code. It shouldn't exist, this bottom floor. But it does. And... I like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You guys work in, uh, you guys have worked in real estate. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we know. The bottom floor not being up to code. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm down there sleeping. Certain taste to it. And I get the, the, the freeze. You know what I mean? Oh, no. When you're laying in bed, you get that paralysis. Mm-hmm. And, and you freeze up. It's uh, it's not good. And, and there he was, my Uncle Bob, standing there in the doorway. Not visually, but just in my mind, I could see him there, and he was saying hello. He was like, hey, man, what's up? And I was like, get out of here. You made me get sleep paralysis, <laughs> you fucking ghost. And he's like, yeah, I know. I just wanted to say hi. And I was like, man, get out of here. It was much. It was much more weird and in my head, obviously, than that. But yeah, every now and again, you get a little experience. The first time though was with my great grandfather. My great grandfather, I saw at the top of the stair, and I saw it with the rest of my cousins. I was with my cousins and my sister, and we all saw my great grandfather at the top of the stair. Wow. That was my first paranormal experience. Am I out of time? Is it? Has it not been three minutes yet? I tried to actually make the three-minute mark. Thirty seconds today. You know. You got it. You I thought I, I thought I could do it. I thought push, I could jibber jabber my way to the three-minute cutoff. You can get there. I believe in you, Larry. But I guess not. I guess not. Nah. All right. In the bowl. In the bowl. Love you guys. Thank you so much for the sixty-nine. Oh yeah. It was so hot. Oh my god. <laughs> so good. So great. Real quality. Real quality sixty-nine. You want to see these two sexy people eat, feast on each other. <laughs> there, it was. there it was. There it was. 69! 69, dude! <laughs> I knew you could do I knew you had it in you, Lavish. I've never actually had sleep paralysis. Me neither, but I know plenty of people who but have. The first time I ever even heard about it was on some Oprah episode I was watching. I was what? Like seven or eight or somewhere like that. And it scared the shit out of me, dude. Just hearing about it, dude. Yeah. I was like, I don't ever want to have that. Exactly. <laughs> That's how I feel, too. I haven't yet. But uh, mm. we'll see. Whatever. That seems uh, seems nasty. Mm-hmm. That's a nasty scheme. <laughs> that is a nasty scheme. Oh, man. It's a nasty scheme last night. Yeah. No, uh, first time I ever had a paranormal experience was not that, um, I wasn't that young, really. I think it was in high school. Because we were in the new house. Uh, we moved when I was like a freshman in high school to this other place. But this house was like one of maybe three houses on that side of the street. It was like a newer development that had been being constructed like right when the housing bubble burst. So like it just stopped. All new construction just stopped. We moved there in like '05, I want to say. Very late in 2005. And then they just stopped making stuff. And... uh I was riding my bike home from church one night because the church was at the top of the hill from the house, but there wasn't like a hill. There wasn't a road straight down the hill to my house. You had to go kind of all the way around the block around the church and then come sneak back. You had to snake around the church and then you got to my street. You know, obviously on a bike, I don't want to run over. Like there's like a a big wall drop if you go the shortcut way. You can walk it, you know, and climb down the wall. But you can't really ride your bike just straight down. Yeah. That hill. There's some obstacles. But anyway, I was riding my bike home from church, and it was night. It was dark. I was like, I don't know, maybe around this time of year, maybe November, something like that. A little colder, but not, like, coat weather. And then uh, as I'm rounding the corner of my street... Because it, uh, it was just one loop. Because like I said, this was a neighborhood that this was going to be the kind of outer street. But the rest wasn't built yet. So like behind my house, now, if you go there, it's like 
more residential and more streets. It's just like street, 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 street. But back then, it was just an empty field. It was just a big-ass field that backed up to this tree line that uh, the railroad tracks ran through. So behind my house, you just see darkness, empty field. And there was just street lights on that one street because it was the only street that had been built yet. And then I'm rounding the corner, and under the street light, this girl, like, walks up out of nowhere. And she's, like, in this old-timey white dress, like a white flowy dress or something. And she's just, like, walking forward but not stepping. She's, mm. like, floating forward, you know? It's like that smooth motion where there's no, like, head bobbing or, you know, she's not, like, it's just a straightforward motion, real smooth. And then she goes behind this pole. And so I'm, like, biking up there. I, like, kind of go a little quicker because I'm, like, who's on my street, you know? And why are in this, like, old weird gown? It was almost like a like a Victorian-era, like, sleeping gown or something. Kind of huh. weird. Very flowy. You know, lots of, like... Loose? Yeah. Loose and flowy. Uh, she walked behind the lamp, and she didn't come out the other side of the lamp. Oh. She's just gone. So she just stepped behind the lamp, and then she was gone, and I got, I, like, biked right up to the lamp, and there was nobody there. It was weird, though, because it was, like, clear as day she was there. That was the first time I ever saw those, like, something that clearly wasn't there. Well, I should take that back, because the first time I saw something that clearly wasn't there, I was way younger, but I saw Santa <laughs> fly through the sky one night. Well, I was, like, probably oh. two or three. But that's that's a little different than paranormal, I think. But I saw, I for sure saw and heard him. It was, like, is one it, of those, it, like, kid hallucination-type things or, or yeah. whatever it is. You know, you project the vision or whatever. But, I mean... It was the realest of real. It was super real. I still can picture it in my head. Yeah, like you saw see, Santa. Seeing, it, seeing and hearing it. Because it was like the sleigh bells and the crack of the whip and like the ho-ho, like echoey. <laughs> just like the movies, man. Like exactly. Like all of the movies and books. It was just, only it was outside my house. I was looking out the window at night. Oh, man. Oh, man. But if I look out the window at night and I saw this next color, I wouldn't know what to do. That's a, a fat joint right there. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I guess first I time I ever had a paranormal experience. Yes. Oh well, one I still remember vividly. Um, I was a kid. I don't remember how old though. Mm-hmm. I was I was under thirteen. I know that. So I don't know, maybe ten, eleven, twelve, twelve and a half, <laughs> eleven and three quarters. Somewhere in there. You know, somewhere around in there. Anyway, oh, there you go. I um, had this room in the house I grew up in that used to be a garage, and the previous owners had um, turned it into a room. Mm. And uh, it was, quote, downstairs, down three whole stairs. <laughs> yeah, um, I've seen that exact And there was a utility actually. room down there Yeah, uh, with the washer and dryer and whatnot, tool bench. Well, one night, it was actually kind of a night like this where um, uh, it was tall. There was a cold front coming through, so the wind was blowing like crazy. Mm. And uh, it was well after midnight. I I was already asleep, and I I just woke up, just like, you know, bam, out of a dead sleep, just awake. And so I sat up and walked across my room and got my glass of water that was over on the desk. And I could have swore I heard my mom calling my name. Hmm. That's fucking weird. And uh, I listened again, and it was coming from the backyard. So that's really fucking weird. What is mom doing out in the backyard? Walk outside. I don't. I don't see anything, but I still hear. I hear my mom saying, "John." I'm like, okay. And the wind was blowing like crazy, so the pine trees were making a lot of noise. 
And I work, walk further out into the backyard and then look over to my, to my right, which was our next door neighbor's yard. And, uh, I see my neighbor, uh, Mrs. Rowe standing out in her backyard in her nightgown, which was, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And I say, have you seen my mom? I, I thought I heard her, uh, yelling at me and she doesn't even like turn to look at me. Whoa. I'm like, Mrs. Rowe, Mrs. Rowe, nothing. She doesn't, doesn't turn to look at me. Huh. Anything. And then finally I walk closer to the fence because she was an old. What, what? Oh, a cliffhanger, cliffhanger. Oh, I rambled too long. I was using that joint like a microphone. Oh, yeah. Pardon me. <laughs> this happens in so, the yeah, paranormal. Walk closer to the fence. You're not the only one. To, to maybe see if Mrs. Rowe can hear me. Yeah. Because she was old. I say, Mrs. Rowe, have you seen my mom? I, I thought I heard her yelling my name. And she's slowly like walking toward the back of her house, like toward the back door. And then fucking big ass fucking thunderbolt. Just bah! Scared the shit out of me. Oh, damn. And I jumped and I obviously like blinked my eyes. And when I opened them, Mrs. Rowe wasn't in her backyard. Holy shit. I was like, well, that's fucking weird. So I hopped over her fence, which is a normal thing because we lost balls over there all the time. Ow, my balls. Ah, oh, balls. She was nowhere in the backyard and I wasn't going to go in our house. So I just hopped over the back of the fence and kind of look around. I'm like, well, I guess mom wasn't out here. Maybe she was in the house after all. And I go back in the house and everybody's asleep i didn't go in my mom's room i just kind of listened in there yep she was asleep i didn't think much of it thought i guess i'm just hearing shit this is before i did drugs by the way (laughs) and then um go back to sleep wake up the next day and my mom uh is in the kitchen um with mrs rose niece and uh my mom was was crying and upset i'm like what's going on mrs rose had died the night before holy shit yeah yeah, and I never told my mom that story either. Ugh. Oh my god! In the bowl. <laughs> Holy! <laughs> Son of a stick. stick! Damn, I got double shiver, legit physical, yeah. like double shiver on that one. Damn, boy! My eyes watered. <laughs> Holy shit! That was wild. Whoa. Wild. And the one. lightning. Ooh, thunderbolt of lightning. Very, very frightening. I don't have a cohesive uh, theory, and I haven't found one, but I always talk about paranormal stuff being tied to electricity. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. <laughs> Those there's are my words for this level of stony right now. <laughs> there's definitely some energy transfer involved. You got to wonder, like, what kind of dimensions that could bridge, you know, whether it's an electric form or whatever. Sometimes it's like TV or radio transmissions. Sound waves, light waves, all the waves. Lots of different energies. Energy. This uh, uh, boobs had a boobs had a PPS. Three voicemails, and it finally got to the night terrors. Oh, I've had a couple with like succubies. One time, she got really pissed off because I didn't want to kiss her or nothing. She goes, well, "Fuck you." He teleported me outside. I was I was staying with my parents on vacation one week. What a bitch! Teleported me outside, and uh, I just started getting this fucking electric feeling. And I turned around, and there was the spirit of the the dead patriarchy, uh, the family farm that uh, my parents live on. That was uh, you know, owned by this family, and the patriarch had passed away a number of years ago. And, 
there he was in my dream, just standing there in the yard, and Oof. I was like, holy fuck, this is no dream. He is a ghost, and I can feel him. And then, lo and behold, the next day, Mama Barry's like, hey, have you seen the ghost in the suit by chance? <laughs> and um, there was another time that the succubi creature got to me. She locked me down to the bed nice. and rode me, and I was awoke, awake for it, and that was pretty creepy, but Ugh. not nearly as terrifying. This rounds out the second of two times that I've ever been truly terrified. Um, we were in Bowling Green, Kentucky, on tour, and wake up with this feeling. Blueberry. Oh my God! Blink twice. Come toward the light. No, go away from the light. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Oh my goodness. Booberry, did they get you? I'm scared for boobs. Dude, there's 52 more seconds of I don't know what. This voicemail is a paranormal experience. It's tr well, and the sucky bite might be up in the transcription too Ooh. because he said uh, I was awake for it and that was pretty creepy. I think he said. Did he say creepy? Oh, I can barely I can hear him. But barely really. hear you. Well, anyway, the Walk transcription the, the transcription turned it to good. Whoa. So it says, she walked, <laughs> she walked me down to the bed, not <laughs> held me down to the bed, and rode me, and I was awake for it, and that was pretty good, it says. Bro, she's up in That's this a, thing, yeah. bro. Bro. Dude, I passed up the opportunity to summon a succubus, so fuck that. <laughs> Holy shit. No way. Oh man, I think she's up in that. Wow, yeah, man. Here Your succubus has people Spooky. at Google. Let's say that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and by the way, okay, so your Bowling Green, Kentucky story clearly is uh, having interference run on it. Okay, so there's that part. But then the end of the transcription. I'm just gonna read. These are the last two, three sentences of the transcription. We were in Bowling Green, Kentucky on tour bap. Off dead, 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 dead. God. <laughs> what? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm just going to copy paste it straight into the bowl. This is exactly the, <laughs> this is the last three lines of the transcription. Oh my God, bro. This is too much. This is some spoopy voice sales, bro. I got to shake it off. I got to. Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Let's go bowling, Let's go bro. bowling. Let's go bowling. Let's go bowling. Oh, my goodness. We got to do the hookah juka <gasps> dance before we go back upstairs. Yeah. Seriously, wipe your feet yeah. <laughs> before leaving the bowl tonight, everyone. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we can laugh at Ohio. They unveiled a new license plate, uh, which features the Wright Brothers first plane, the Wright Flyer. Mm -hmm. But soon they realized that the 35000 they printed... We're wrong. Uh-oh. Because they attached the banner in the picture to the wrong side of the plane. Oh. oh. Now, I will say that one, it's tough because the right flyer, like, when it's flying, it looks like it's going backwards, you know? It was, like, built oh, yes. the other way. So it looks like, you know, 
all the other airplanes are used to looking at, when you look at theirs, you think, oh, this is the back and this is the front. But nope, not the case. But where's the proofer? Right, like someone had a oh, job yeah, well, yeah, and they yeah. had a boss who should the, have looked at the it. The government, man. They all thought, oh, that looks great. Well, you know, they said, oh, the perfected plates will be re- printed by December 29th and the wrong ones will be recycled. We don't know what the costs are going to be for this, though. But it doesn't matter because it's, you know, taxpayer funded, right? They couldn't have just said, yeah, that's the time when they stalled out and there was a back breeze. You know? <laughs> they could have just said nothing and people <laughs> might not have even noticed. Nah, people would have people would have whined and complained about it. Nah, well, they're going to do it either way. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, better luck next time, guys. Yep. Just get it fixed. Just get her done. <laughs> uh, you might have heard this story. There you was may a- have heard of it. You may have heard of it. There's a hiker lost for 24 hours on Mount Elbert in Colorado who ignored calls from rescuers because they were unknown numbers. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I usually don't answer when I don't know the number. And my new phone actually has scam likely pops up. So, Uh-oh. you know what? If I see a number... Scam likely. No, thank you. I'm not answering that. No, thanks at I'm, all. I'm lost. I already have enough shit going on. I don't need the scam call as well. Well, you know, lost is maybe a bad word. This hiker wandered off the trail and couldn't find the trail for the night. So just, you know, set up camp and spent the night. Yeah. And then found the trail the next day, got back to their car, went home. Didn't even know there was a search team out for them. <sighs> but my issue here is why didn't the rescue party calling them leave a voicemail is it really that difficult to leave a voicemail uh our bowlers seem to be able to do it just fine our bowlers can do it just fine they can do it multiple times in a single night they can do it three minutes at a time just non-stop i mean they can they clearly it's not that difficult right it shouldn't be it shouldn't be but i have to say in my voicemail message box on my phone please leave a voicemail for me because people don't and i will never call you back if i don't have your number saved and you don't leave a voicemail that's what mine says too and yeah exactly how many people they never do it says leave your name number and a brief message three things even real people name hopefully you remember that okay your number (laughs) well just confirm it's your number just say what your number is because that's the bitch of it sometimes people call you and if it's like a bot call then the number that is their number supposedly is different than what shows up you know yeah. So your name, your number, and a brief message. And I'll call and you I'll back. And I'll call you back. That's the promise. Yes. Right. You don't have those three things? Not Sorry, calling you Sorry, but I ain't calling you back. Yeah. Follow directions. It's a small ask. Small call, ask. Leave, a, leave me a message. You know, That's right. I like you, to hear your voice. You've got the floor. Let me know if it's worth my time. If you can't even do that, it's obviously not. That's all. That's all. Uh, if you got $85,000 in a month from a COVID-19 relief loan... What might you spend it on? Uh, a new bowling ball. <laughs> a down payment towards the bowling alley? Oh, yeah. That'd a, be a pretty new, cool. A new bowling alley. But no. Maybe some Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good investment. Good investment. Maybe a side-by-side. This Georgia man is facing a count of wire fraud. Oh, shit. Charged with lying on an application for pandemic economic relief. Because uh, he lied about the number of people his business employed and the company's gross revenue. He got $85,000 in August, and he decided to spend 
almost $58,000 of it on a Pokemon card. Oh my god. Now, it didn't say what Pokemon card it is, but I'm just saying if it was a first edition holographic Charizard with no shadow, that might have been a worthwhile investment. No. That hey, that Charizard sells for like three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. That's bucks. called deserving to get caught, is what that's called. <laughs> These sons of bitches almost, and their Pokemon cards. Come almost fifty eight thousand dollars on a po- one Pokemon card. One. Come on, man. I lost my head finding my Pokemon gotta, cards. At least first you gotta launder the money and then you gotta buy like assets with it or something. I don't know. Platinum bars in real estate. And yeah, some Bitcoin. Platinum bar Pokemon card. What's the difference? Come on. <laughs> just <Pokemon> kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Dios mio, man. I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. Dios mio, man. Yeah. You know, you also might say, my God, if you come across one of these venomous caterpillars they're finding here in the show me state. Oh, God, no. Yeah, I guess they're not especially rare in the Ozarks. Oh my god. But one guy just ended up in the emergency room with a sting he got from them. It's those really furry ones covered in bristles. And uh, yeah, the bristles have venom on them, I guess. What? The little like uh, black and rust brown ones? No, the ones I was seeing pictures of are mostly white. Oh, and like beige. Okay. They look like different. a patch of fur just laying on the yeah, ground. Like white caterpillar, but I always see the uh I always see the black when uh, rust brown ones. Yeah. I always play with those dudes. Those I play with awesome. all the caterpillars I come across yeah. if I can. So uh but yeah, if you see these furry guys, you know. I've never seen a wanna... white furry caterpillar. That you, just hearing about that freaks me out. I probably wouldn't touch a white one. Well, I don't know why. I so just the, the guy that ended that up in the emergency room. I've never seen one. What happened was he was moving a lawn chair, just a white plastic lawn chair, and he didn't even see it on there. So he picked it up. You know, he squeezed the caterpillar when he was moving the lawn chair. He got the bristles in his hand. He said that the venom went right to the bone, and he just could not. He said his hand just hurt so bad, and then it started spreading up his arm, and then all of a sudden he had chest pain, and it was on the left side. So he went to the ER to be safe. He's all good now, though. He said he was in excruciating pain for about 12 hours, though. Triple gutter. That's no good. uh, They're not normally lethal to humans. I do wonder. You just got to squeeze the shit out of them. If there's allergies or something, you know, maybe. Maybe you're allergic to a rare caterpillar. Oh, my goodness. And they said uh, if you're taking any hikes anytime soon and something falls on your head, don't brush it off forcefully with your hand. Try to just shake your head instead, because okay. if you do the forceful brushing, the okay. bristles will like get stuck in your hand. You know. Okay. Yeah. Let me rewire my most base instinct <laughs> physical reactions real quick, just because of a fucking caterpillar news story. Well, some people can rewire some things in their brain because you can't. Teenage girls are saying that they're getting ticks from watching TikTok. Oh my god! Please. Have you seen this shit? No. Yeah. There's been a rise in teenage girls going to the doctors or neuro whatever the fucks. Uh, And they think they have Tourette's. 
The only thing that these teenagers have in common oh, is watching TikTok creators tits. who have Tourette's. Oh my god! Oh, this no. whole time I'm on the bug the train. Bug. I thought you were getting like <laughs> ticks, like sucking your blood. Oh, I understand that confusion. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. No. Ticks, from ticks tick. like, like twitching like and ticks. eye blinking okay. and saying fuck, 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 or whatever, you know? <laughs> whatever they do. Monotonous things. They can say beans over and over again. Just something, just that repetitive motion. Or, or twitching. Or like when they go stick. <laughs> or like when they go stick. <laughs> uh, but researchers in this article I read are calling it a pandemic within a pandemic. Oh, stop with that. Because, <laughs> with the fucking meme. It was hilarious to me. We are living in it a pandemic of pandemics. That's what's going on. Functional tick disorder. Oh often misdiagnosed as Tourette's because tick, Tourette's develop slowly from childhood. These folks are just seeing something over and over again and then repeating the behavior. And uh, oh, okay. they say that these ticks come on to these mostly girls. I think that's interesting, too, that it's mostly girls. Um, maybe it's just mostly girls consuming TikTok videos from maybe. Tourette's sufferers. But anyway. <laughs> or maybe they're more likely to copy other people's shit all the time. Yeah, maybe. that. Uh, maybe. Don't know. But they say that these ticks are severe well, yeah, and you, come on suddenly. You can get like, Lyme's disease. <laughs> it's no joke. It's no joke. Not a joke. Not a joke. Um... This is but a true story. These ticks here are learned behaviors, copied behaviors, and with a little bit of therapy, you might be able to, you know, unwind and undo and yeah. get rid of those ticks. Stop pretending to have Tourette's, <laughs> you fucking posers. Just get Jeebus. off TikTok. Jeez, if it's literally driving you insane. One does not choose the Tourette's life. The Tourette's life chooses one or yeah. you, but not you, TikTok watchers, wannabes. Yeah, it is interesting that tick. Is in TikTok. And the tick. The tick. Action hero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there was a fish reeled in at a Galveston Island State Park in Texas that had a tongue eating louse in its mouth. Nice. The picture looks pretty freaky. This parasite detaches the fish's tongue and attaches itself to the fish's mouth to become the tongue. Woogly boogly. Yeah, it's the only known case where a parasite functionally replaces a host's organ. Oh my god. It doesn't is... kill the fish. It just acts as the tongue. <gasps> I guess it, uh, you know, has no effect on humans if you accidentally eat it or <laughs> go near it. It's not going to take out your tongue. What about the fish? Does so, it fuck up the fish or does I it mean, just help out the fish? Like eat It food? functions still. Like it'll feed the fish. I mean, the fish. The fish just won't taste anything, I guess. Oh my God. I don't it's know. so fucking weird, bro. <laughs> I don't know much about fish tongue functionality. That's so weird. But yeah, this fish was an Atlantic croaker. <laughs> nice. Fun fact. You get another strike for that one. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that triple gutter ball, though, that really hurt my score. So, well, you know, still feeling a little down, but <laughs> you gotta get them gotta... practice rolls in, man. That's what right. That's right. Once league starts, you know it's league. Yes, that's true. <laughs> oh, this guy didn't get the league memo, dude in Pennsylvania. All right, there's he your got... first problem. So, yes, yes. Well. I'll start with the good news. Prosecutors have dropped the felony theft charged against him. A man 
who underpaid for a bottle of Mountain Dew by 43 cents. Oh, my God. So he was at a gas station that was advertising two 20-ounce Mountain Dew bottles for three bucks. Okay. He took a bottle, threw $2 on the counter for what he thought was a $1.50 soda, and left. But it turns mm. out you got to buy two to get yeah. the deal. Yeah, you know? one's going to be like two eighty or something. Two twenty nine before tax. Yeah, two forty nine after. And even the two is going to be more than three bucks. But here's where my blood boils. Uh oh. Because Pennsylvania is one of those three strikes law states. Oh yeah. The third theft must be a felony, regardless of the amount. And uh, since he had been charged twice with theft in the last decade. Um, you know, here it is. Felony, 43 cents. Oh my god, a felony? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. This is his third strike. So, that's pathetic. He was facing up to seven years in prison for throwing down two buckaroonies for a Mountain Dew in a gas station. Come on. There's 43 pennies in the little change jar they leave there. I guarantee it. A lot of people don't take their change in gas stations. Yeah, no doubt. Come on. I mean, 43 cents, you can figure it out. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, you can steal up to five Gucci bags. <laughs> and you're Gucci. Yeah, and you're Gucci. If you want six, you just bring a friend along, and then boom, three between you. The descendants of Pablo Escobar's pet hippos almost weren't Gucci, though. There's a hundred of them. And now, they are recognized as legal persons in the United States. Oh, that's the fucking awesome, I it's guess. It's the huh? first time ever. Ever. Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. That non-human creatures have been legally considered people. Although we all know dogs are people too. Oh my god. But this is the first time it's been legal. Well hell, as long as it's legal. What happened? What did happen? You know, Escobar illegally imported all these animals to his ranch Mm -hmm. until he died in 93. And so all the animals were sent to zoos, except for four hippos, which were too big and difficult to move. So they just stayed there at the ranch, I guess, and made a lot of babies. Hundreds of them. A hundred. There's a hundred hippos there. Oh, my God. And so the authorities in Colombia started referring to them as an invasive species and planned to kill them all. Right. Let's just kill them. They're invading. Okay. Uh, So the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Ohio, decided to step in and save the hippos. Um, By giving them citizenship? Well, dig this. Non-human animals in Colombia have the right to bring lawsuits to protect their interests, apparently. (laughs) And interested parties are allowed to go to federal court in the United States to obtain documents or testimony. So uh, the Animal Defense League applied on their behalf. And got these wildlife experts from Ohio who study non-surgical sterilization to Mm. provide testimony. So they're all going to be sterilized, I guess, and just keep living the ranch life. Until they just... Until they die. Die of natural causes. Yes. Wowie zowie, man. Yeah, odds to Nan in the bowl is right. Uh, Hippos will fuck you up. Hippos are dangerous and fast. I'm pretty sure... Aren't hippos, like, the most uh, kills? Like, don't they kill more people than any other... They might be. Hippos will just decide you're going to die. Yes. The wild hippos, yeah. Yep. They they really rattle your bones, drown you, 
in the rivers. They'll drown you. They'll trample you, you. They'll eat you. They'll do all kinds of crazy shit. Hippos yeah. are nuts, man. Just keep them there in Colombia, and yeah, sure. If you're sterilizing them, then that's a problem that will be solved eventually. Uh, I don't know, man. Crazy. As long as it worked, man. You better, better make sure them tubes are tied, bro. You better make sure. Oh, that's for sure. Hippos are hippos are a bad scene, bro. I don't want them living near me, that's for sure. Oh, shoot. They're right down the block. I, know. I hope the hippos don't hear this. <laughs> We're too close to the zoo. What about the aminals? No, we are very close to the hippos in Kansas City. No doubt. But we're not close enough to this high V in Plattsmouth, Nebraska. Maybe oh. Plattsmouth. Excuse my Massachusetts seeing asshole, masshole coming out. Plattsmouth, Nebraska. They broke the Guinness World Record by creating an ice cream sandwich weighing 2,960 pounds. Whoa. Yeah. The previous record was 2,460 pounds. So they destroyed it. Mm Mm-hmm. All in five hours with a team of 30 employees. And then they broke it up into portions and donated the pieces to different food banks. Okay, how the fuck does that work? You donate it to a food bank? You cut off little pieces, you wrap it up, and you put it in a you know one of those cool boxes, and you get it there real fast. So Hurry before this melts to the food bank. Well, where maybe this the food bank donated. people, maybe the food bank folks were on hand, you know, because they had a Guinness World Record uh, person on hand while they Must were doing have been, it. Yeah, prepared so with pre- a frozen planned. truck or something. But wow, that's that's impressive, man. That's impressive. Yes, it brought to mind the meme i've seen of someone who ordered an inflatable mattress off amazon and they were like damn it i thought it was a giant ice cream sandwich (laughs) have you seen that i think so like man i was just high with the munchies and i was like oh hell yeah giant ice cream sandwich i need that in my life and then it was an inflatable mattress it was just brown on top and white in the middle you can always return amazon's great with returns just return it just return it get yourself a real ice cream sandwich fuck amazon go to nebraska shit off there Oh, here's a great story to end on. Last roll, last roll. Okay. A new USA cross-country cannonball motorcycle record was set coast-to-coast in 33 hours. Oh, nice. Technically, it was 32 hours and 52 minutes. And uh, We'll round up for, for safety's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Texas motorcyclist by the name of Alex Jones, coincidentally. Oh, there you go. There's another one. It's a common name. It's a common name. It's a common name. Uh, it is on, folks. <laughs> it is on. It is on. He drove a 2014 Yamaha FJR 1300 and averaged 87 miles per hour. Nice. He had just bought the bike for this mission uh, with 80,000 miles on it for $4,000. Ooh. He left Manhattan at 6.24 a.m. and reached Redondo Beach, California, 12.16 p.m. the next day. Like a boss. Yeah. He submitted hourly GPS screenshots and only stopped seven times for fuel. Allegedly, he hit 120 miles per hour along the way. This is a high, his high driving speed. Sounds right. Um, You know, if you were to go on to google maps and estimate the trip the bots would tell you it's going to take you 42 hours with non-stop driving for that 2800 miles Ooh, um he crushed that yeah he did and he decked it out with a 32 liter auxiliary fuel tank radar detectors laser jammers yes. extra lighting i love the two mounted phone units uh he had 
Camelback water jug, protein bars, caffeine pills, and he used a condom and catheter system to direct his pee onto the road. Wow, what a boss. He was ready. He had it all figured out, yeah. dude. But there were hiccups. He said that cruise control stopped working mid-drive, and there were electronics issues. Who'd have thunk? His auxiliary lighting failed as night hit, and by the time he arrived, the rear tire was nearly bald. Dang. That's pushing it to the limit. That is. Uh, kind of like we did with this bowl, man. Push it right to the limit. You got to alert the affiliates. Alert the affiliates. Yeah, we've had nah, longer, we don't have any. We've had longer bowls. That's true. But hey, thank you for kicking it, bowlers. This has been a great one. Dense with content. Yeah. Thanks for everybody sent uh, in voicemails and reports. Who's just been hanging out? Boosting. Oh, everybody's boosting. We love that. You know you want to boost. 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 We love your boosts. We love your sets. We love not so much your hippos. No. We but we love, love uh, you. We do love bowlers. you. That's right. And we're going to be here uh, next week, next Tuesday. And every token Tuesday for the foreseeable future. If I've got anything to do about it, I'm Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And we need a first time I ever for next week. Oh, yeah, that's right. I There say, was the uh, first time I ever got a job, first time I ever got drunk, first time I ever tongued a hole. <laughs> There's that one in there. Well, first earlier in the chat, Fletcher had suggested first time I ever smashed in a graveyard, and you got Halloween to do it. That's true. If you haven't uh, smashed in a graveyard, then you've still got time. I like it. Get another spooky first time like, I ever in there. It'd be there. like the spooky encore two days after Halloween. On All Souls Day, is that right? All Saints Day, Fletcher's birthday. I don't know how it works. And then another bowl. That'll be the one. We'll change it. We'll update you. First time I ever smashed in a graveyard. And until next Token Tuesday, may your bowls burn ever brighter. People are sick. It's not racist, it's fact. Bowl after bowl. Bowl, bowl, bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl till he's sick. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. May your bowls burn ever brighter.